Yo no, greetings and salutations, brothers and yellow men. Welcome to the seventh season of Timeless Gamer, where the games and gamers grow older while the gaming experiences go forever and remain timeless. We are now live here in Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And for our archive videos of our previous episodes, you can still check them out by going to the YouTube channel of Timeless Gamer. That is Timeless Gamer PRG. Or just by going to the Facebook page of Pinoy Retro Gaming. Same as well with Twitch. And you can also listen to us by going to Audible, Amazon Music, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Subzoom Podcast, Podcast Index, Listen Notes, Pandora, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Deezer, just by searching Timeless Gamer. And joining us for tonight's episode, we got Sir Joel. When you connect from Jersey. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whoever you are, wherever you are. This is Joel Baklit of the Banyagi Native channel here on Kick and on Twitch, saying hi, good morning, and good evening to everybody. And we have we got a show for you, but we'll save that for uh, for the conversation ahead. We'll continue with Joel. Okay. All right. Thank you for that, Sir Joel. And of course, joining us all the way from the UK, we got Sir Viraj. All right, guys. Looking forward to this episode. But yeah, welcome to the show. This should be an interesting one, guys. Sir Viraj also representing the Sega Mega Masters on behalf of Sir Dan. So check that out by going to the YouTube channel, Sega Mega Masters. Everything all about the Sega Mega Master, uh, the Sega Mega Drive and the Master System. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, previous, previously on Timeless Gamer. What the hell did we talk about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we this oh we talked about the PC games yeah of course the PC games of the early 90s all the way to the year 2005 and there's a lot of variety that we mentioned on that particular episode a variety of games games that you do uh, that you wouldn't even thought that should be there but for some reason they were there <laughs> um, so if you're if you're curious on what those games were guys just check them out by going to the YouTube channel of Famous Gamer or just going to the Facebook page of Pinot Retro Gaming. And for this particular episode, guys, um, it's called The Underestimated Games. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with underrated games. Um, I'll look, so I might ask the panel here, what, what are the difference? But for me, underrated games, uh, under, saying something about underrated games, people played it, but they didn't praise it more. Underestimated games, it's more of a personal matter. Like if uh, if you if you think just by looking at the cover of a game, you check the gameplay and you think, eh, it's not for me, that's underestimating it. But when you played it, oh okay, it might turn uh, it might turn your head around. Mm-hmm. So Joe, um, what's the what do you think is the difference between the underrated and underestimated? That's actually a very good estimation of it, Joe. The my personal take on it is underrated is something that the general public or the critics have said, you know, this isn't all that, and uh, eventually did turn out to be a very well crafted experience for a lot of people. Underestimated games is that one where you personally have had experience with, in the sense that you've had a little bit of something, a little bit of thinking in the old days and then when you got to try the game actually in itself when you get when you get your hands on it you find out hey this game is actually a lot of fun i'm gonna make it one of my main genres now that's oh personal bias gets in the way yes personal bias gets in the way correct yes right thank you for that sir joe how about sir viraj Uh, difference between underrated and underestimated well it's exactly what sir joe said i mean it's it's not much of a a no-brainer there isn't there i mean (laughs) 
yeah, yeah. So if you go out there and you, there's lots of games out there that you think, oh, well, okay, this game's really good. And there's games that I've played in the past and unsung heroes, for example, that doesn't get doesn't get really sung greatly about. Obviously, everyone remembers the big franchise names like say Zelda or Mario or Sonic or whatever. They're staples to whatever platform they're on, but nobody wants to talk about you know Rocket Knight Adventures on the Sega Mega Drive anymore. You know, that's mm-hmm. a huge game for the system. A travesty was not loaded on any of the mini. But I digress. That's mm. another as an example if we're talking about you know uh, what we're talking about today it's games that you didn't think were, were good when you bought it you looked at the cover and you think oh, really is this something that I, I, I want to play all these other people are saying it's okay it's good is this something that, that I want to play in particular I mean with me there's a bit of a I'm a bit of a living contradiction because the games I've chosen are actually really big games but for me I didn't think much of them because I thought I'm in my comfort zone these aren't the games that I want to play but people have told me they're good but that's that's the context that I'm going to give you're gonna think really Viran, but this is this is this is what my thoughts, what I thought about these games at the time. So there you go. Very cool. All right. Uh, thank you for that, Sir Viraj. Now, uh, for this particular episode, guys, so um, it's only us three for now. Uh, we are expecting one more panel to join us. Surprise, surprise, na lang. And um, Sir Viraj will be taking over for this particular episode. Mm-hmm. We will just going to do a round robin of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, each of us will say one particular game. And then once everybody has a turn, then we'll revert back for a second mm-hmm. round. And no, so Sir Viraj, take it away. Yeah. All right, so my first game, I'm going to cover the handhelds because these guys are going to do the PC and console side of things. I'm going to pick on handhelds. I'm just back okay, so um, the first game, and you're going to think, what, really? This is this is something that you didn't think, right, Viraj? You didn't think seriously? So the game I'm talking about is Metroid Fusion, the game. Mm. I mean, come on, Metroid is a prolific franchise. It existed even before Metroid Fusion was released. What's wrong with you? Well, what's wrong with me is I never played the original Metroid, never played the Game Boy Metroid, never played the first in the series on the Super Nintendo. Um, I, was, I, was, I was kind of aware of it, but even back in those days, I thought, okay, fine. Now, I just got on a Game Boy Advance SP. I had a couple of games on it, Zelda Link, The Past Four Swords Adventures, and Sonic Advance 2, but then uh, yeah, I thought, I need to get some more games in my library. And one of, there were a number of games I bought, but this was one of those games that I saw in the pre-owned section of the game shop. And I remember there was a, a colleague of mine in my class talking, well, talking to me, sorry, I say colleague, I mean, a student that I used to study with was in, in, was in college then, because Metroid Fusion is a good game. I love that game. And he kept going on about it. I thought, let's give this a go, you know? Mm. And obviously Metroid Prime was being released and everyone was getting excited over that on the cube. And I'm like, that graphics or that looked amazing back then. It's, they still hold up, even though they've done a remaster. But anyway, back to Metroid Fusion, which is the fourth in the franchise. It says Metroid 4 in the credits when you load up. Now, this game I, I, I played and I got into it. And, you know, you play as the titular character, Samus Aran. And the story is she's gone to this base somewhere and there was a, there's a distress call that she was answering and the base is overrun by this virus called the SR388 virus or whatever it's called I forget the name of the virus but it's the X-Parasite let's call it that way not SR, sorry SR388 is the planet the virus is the X-Parasite that's what it was sorry Got mm. so long ago it's a 20 year old game <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so she goes to this base and something this virus has escaped and um, everybody's got this uh, this virus or whatever. And the, well, the virus has infected all the you know the, the, the monsters and the inhabitants of this planet. Well, mm-hmm. some of this 
conversation and it's your job to sort of work out as Samus what's gone on okay now you know again you know, you've got this fusion suit which is like a Metroid suit you have which you, you know, you've sort of been given from the outset because you know that's what it was it fused to you whatever um, to begin with and that can actually absorb the because the Metroids were originally the predators to the ex-parasites so as you can see in the gameplay she's absorbing the ex-parasite and it's replenishing replenishing her, her health mm-hmm. so it's very different to the way Metroid games are because you know once you take out a bad guy you get the ex-parasite you absorb it and you get their strengths or whatever um, mm-hmm. and you can also replenish your weapons with the ex-parasites that's really really interesting um, what I really liked about this game and what being a introduced to the Metroid franchise and to all new people that are never played Metroid before okay and this is one for those of you watching thinking that who are aware of Metroid but haven't even dipped their toe in that pond this is the game you should play first out of all the Metroid mm. games because it is the most straightforward game. Um, as you can see here, there's a little bit of text here, and that's her computer, Malkovich, Adam Malkovich, who was a, basically named a computer after an XCO, who tells her what to do and where to go. So this game pro- pretty much directs you and guides you. In fact, it could be argued it's probably the easiest Metroid game in terms of, like, you won't get lost. You will not mm. get lost again because you have an idea of where to go, even though you have this lovely maze-type map. And I, I really love this game because it, it really does make you want to explore, and that's the whole key theme in the Metroid games of exploration what's going to happen next as you can see here there's a little bit of cinematics here so you can see the ex-parasite has possessed a, a clone of Samus here and that's the main protagonist so antagonist in this in this particular game mm-hmm. um, and it has an atmosphere to it this game and it gave me a real sense of fear you know that the, the music in this game the, the tension you know when Samus is moving around you're thinking okay goodness what's going on and I'm not saying that there's any jump scares in it but there are some bits of like oh my god what's that oh my god look at this monster and look at the art design look at the little detail on it and I was actually quite amazed this is a 2002 game and they put so much work into this and you know it, it deserves the respect that it, it gets and it deserved my respect and it got me into not just Metroid but the Metroidvania style of games this is my first ever entry into a Metroidvania style game where you go into a map room you collect items you upgrade your suit you get stronger you have really really fun confined yet fun boss battles you follow a story that really makes you feel engrossed and uh, invested in, in the storyline you know it's a storyline that makes you want to feel like you're playing the story and because you have that immerse, sorry, immersiveness in the game that you, you're in you have a real escape you know um, not to mention this game had an awesome stereo soundtrack you know it, it, it does give it gives an option of playing mono and stereo sound when you go into the setting um, and that's what they were, were doing with the with the Game Boy Advance here so I was absolutely blown away by this game because I didn't think much of Metroid before this I thought come on it can't be that good um, I had tried playing Super Metroid on this via the SNES emulator um, but obviously I didn't have a, 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 a gamepad for my PC I had the keyboard and that just has too many buttons you can't play it on a keyboard so mm-hmm. I'll play it time. and eventually I revisited purchased it legitimately on the Wii U so this game made me want to play all the other 2D Metroid games Zero Mission which came after this which is a perfect remake of the original Metroid um, which is a much more challenging game than this okay then eventually Super Metroid which can be argued as the best 2D Metroid game which people always say um, and obviously there was Return of Samus or Sam- Samus Returns on the on the 3DS as a remake of the Game Boy game which deserved to be remade the first two Metroid games if you're ever going to play them I'd recommend getting playing the remakes which is Zero Mission and Samus Returns 
Returns. And um, obviously we had the fantastic Metroid Dread, which came out just the other year. Mm. Um, amazing, an amazing game. So that's, the, that's just the 2D Metroid games. Obviously you've got the Prime games, which are a different kettle of fish altogether. And it, because I love Metroid so much, I thought, let's give the Prime games a go. And I got that on, I played them on the Wii U by the shop as part of the Prime trilogy. And I fell in love with the Metroid games. In fact, in my opinion, there's not one bad Metroid game. I know people give Other M a bad, get, get bad shout. Hmm. It's an abomination with these anime storylines. You know, it doesn't work. I don't like the story. I don't like the dialogue. But as a game, it was a good game. Maybe it wasn't the best Metroid game, but it was a good game for what it is, in my opinion. But going back to the subject at hand, Metroid Fusion, Metroid 4, it's a great game. And it, it, it blows me away at just how great they engineered this game. And it's, it really does hold up to the test of time. How do you play this game? Well, you've got, you got Switch Online now, which is probably my, my very cost-effective way of playing it. Mm -hmm. And sure, even though getting this box thing complete is it's expensive, it's about £100 if you're talking UK money. <clears throat> cart only, at, like for, for an affordable price, it's cart only. And uh, of course, there's other ways of playing these games, which I'm not even going to mention. But anyway, that's my thoughts on Metroid Fusion. What do you think, hmm. guys? Well, I, it looks uh, certainly does look like um, uh, well, not not a takeoff. It, it is the it is the Metroid experience. I've I played a little bit of Metroid from the original NES Famicom days, and I did want to try this one. I, the thing that really caught my attention was the blue highlights in her suit. That that's the yes. virus, correct? No, no, that that's, the virus. that's no, no. So what? Let me explain. So at the start, I believe the story was at the start of this. There was um there was a, a, an something happened with uh, Samus and a Metroid and. Mm -hmm. So Metroid fused with a suit or something. Mm -hmm. So that's actually a Metroid suit she's wearing. Oh, right? okay. So that's what she's wearing. It's like it's like, it's, a, it's a it's a fusion suit. That's what. Mm -hmm. it is. Um, and what what it does is because the back on the planet where the Metroids used to roam, mm -hmm. there was another there's something called an X parasite, an X virus, and mm -hmm. their natural predator was the Metroids. But when you've hunted the Metroids to extinction, mm -hmm. the X parasite became the dominant life form, and that was even just as dangerous because what it would do is it would infect the host and it would possess them, so it would turn humans into zombies, in other words, mm -hmm. and it would, it would also make um, you know whatever animals or whatever it, it possessed to be much more dangerous. Hmm. So there are obviously different variants of the X virus, the X parasite, and the idea is because it's you know it's infected this entire base, you're meant to eradicate the X parasite, and that fusion suit that you have makes you strong because it allows you to be because the Metroid's a natural predator. Obviously, that fusion suit will allow you to absorb the X parasite and um, uh... use it as nutri nutrients as she's doing. So see that little green, that little yellow thing that came out of the enemy, or that little green thing. Yes, That's the X parasite, and she's absorbing that, and it's see yeah, her energy goes up and her okay. weapon. Obviously, that that's basically the, the gist of the game that I can mm. remember. Obviously, the secret passages, other enemies, etc. But mm. that's the game. Well, it certainly it certainly does seem like a very involved game, if you if you ask me. And there's lots of mechanics going on at, all at the same time on real time. You're balancing the powers that you that you acquire with the with the resources that you that you have. Yeah, like like I mentioned, the, the missiles. You kind of have to look for upgrades and everything. And the storyline is is certainly very interesting. It, it, it's a combination of shall we say aliens from the 80s and um shall we say ghostbusters maybe <laughs> because you're you're there's, going there's no there's no secret that actually metroid was inspired heavily from aliens in fact, mm. 
Um, Ridley, who's one of the characters, was named after the director of Aliens, Ridley Scott. Mm. You know, so oh. That's in homage to it, you know, out of respect, mm -hmm. because it was, it's definitely an Aliens-inspired um, mm -hmm. story. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, this particular game is probably the most unique out of all the Metroid games in how it how its difference is that you absorb the parasite. It plays quite differently, and that's why I think it's definitely worth playing. It's, it might be like I say because you're absorbing the parasite, you're, you're picking up um, en energy quite quite um, quite readily. Mm -hmm. This actually makes it a much much more playable and easier game for a newcomer for Metroid. That's why I say it's the first Metroid game you should really play. Mm -hmm. If we're looking at the Metroid story chronology wise, yeah. in terms of the, the storyline. Um, this is probably the most recent because Metroid Prime, the events of that happened before Metroid Fusion. Mm -hmm. You know, Super Metroid happened before this. All these stories are you know, there's a chronology to it. Metroid Fusion yeah. is the most recent, up to date one, and then there's Metroid Dread, which is actually a newer story, canon wise. Mm -hmm. This is actually the second to last up to date story because years into the future after the whole adventure she had in Prime. So it, it does have a story. There is a, a narrative in there, but um, you know, really, you play the Metroid games at this at this stage of the gameplay. It's a, it, yeah, the story's there, but it's, it's a wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's actually something that, that matters to somebody like me. I, I love lore. I love how things get interconnected and storylines and everything. One thing that really matters to me is whether or not uh, I'm jumping into a storyline, would I be lost with, with the basic plot of the game because I have to have familiarity with the ones that came before? Would no. this be the case with this one? No. Um, so um, the whole Adam Malkovich thing, the, the computer, that so Metroid Other M came after this. Mm -hmm. It's explained who Adam Malkovich was in this, you know, mm -hmm. and then they built upon that character in Other M. And that came out like like nearly ten years after this. Mm -hmm. So they, they, there's that aspect. I think you can go in with playing this game, not being familiar with anything in terms of the history and lore mm -hmm. of um, of any of the, the the Metroid games. And I think to really, and I always remember director James Cameron saying. Saying this about Terminator mm -hmm. 2, which is he said to, to have a sequel, it has to stand on its own, but also mm -hmm. carry the original as well. Yes. And you can actually you can actually like you could it's like you can watch Terminator 2 without watching Terminator. Mm. You can play Metroid Fusion without playing any of the other Metroid games having any knowledge to it. Okay. So that's why this game holds up. You don't have to actually play them canonically. Like you don't have to play episode one, two, three to understand the story. You understand, okay, it, it goes into a backstory anyway, giving context as to what Metroids are and what she did. And you've got these little, I won't say animated, like you've got still cutscenes as to what it is, and they're actually very well drawn. Mm -hmm. as to what and, and it's really, it's really good story, obviously. Well, for those of you in the audio podcast, we are showing footage right now of of Metroid. Uh, what, what, what's the title of this one? Metroid Fusion, and Metroid, it Metroid is. Yeah. It doesn't seem uh, the the visuals are very colorful compared to the uh, for the NES Famicom version that I originally played. It's mm. not as what's the right color palette that, that I remember from them. It was old uh, blacks, whites, yellows. Game. Yes, it was a very stark and dark game. The original one. It was blacks, whites, yellow. Uh, sorry, blacks, yellows, and uh, lots of browns, if I remember correctly. Yes. This yeah. one, the, the visuals are very alien planet organic type, if mm. you ask me. It does, it does look like the planet is, has been 
has been lived in but at the same time colonized also there are sections that are heavily mechanical but there are also sections that are that are well, very natural as well yes yeah, so there's, there's it's on a space station but there's environmental zones and what they've done is they've got, they've got animals that they're experimenting on but they have habitats for those elements so you've got like a fire fiery room like a really heated room mm-hmm. uh, then you have like a, a forest room which you saw and you've got a lot like of watery room shall we say so you've got different um uh, alien animals and they've obviously created habitable environments based on the environment of their planet and they were obviously it's a science um, laboratory science station but all these areas have been infected by the ex-parasite so mm-hmm. as you go, go through each section you know and you, then you head back to the main bit and then you go to another section so it's it's linear in that regard mm-hmm. you know a lot of people like the open world aspect of it um yes okay you can argue that metroid fusion is probably a bit more contrived than other metro games when it comes to the exploratory aspect of it however that's mm-hmm. why i think it's, it's a good game for newcomers because you still have that exploratory aspect of it but you understand the rules of where you need to go there mm-hmm. are some curveballs that are thrown at you because you, you it's not predictable in regards to what way, way events will transpire in this game but that being said mm-hmm. it offers what i call a good challenge a good challenge it's, it's good fun mm-hmm. um again it's not an unforgiving game mm-hmm. but because you do have safe rooms in there we can save and continue like and recharge rooms to or recharge your, your missiles is a safe room etc you see in the video here navigation mm-hmm. you got a map there etc so you're not going to ever be completely lost so many there's many things that i haven't even spoken about in this game and they're just up to you if you want to discover those things because i don't want to spoil everything but it's, it's very it's a very very good story mm-hmm. very good story. As is as in most Metroidvania games, a lot of the joy of gameplay is exploring, finding out more and more about the area that you're that you're uh, fighting through, and realizing that there's more to things uh, that are happening all around you than than you first uh, realize. It's it's. It looks like something that will spark a good uh, a good sense of discovery for whoever might be <clears throat> interested in playing the game the game Metroid, and it might actually even begin an interest in the rest of the series from mm-hmm. the look of it. Mm-hmm. Anyone in the comment section got anything to say? Because I haven't got got it up here yet. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, let's have a very that's that's a very good point. Let's have a very quick look at the comment section right now because as always. We, we here in Timeless Gamer aren't just talking among ourselves. We also appreciate the people who pass by and give their opinions as well. If you guys want, please put in your opinions in the chats and we will make sure to either read them out or react to them. So first things first, Ranji Patag, my godson in, in Pinoy Retro Gaming, says hello everyone. And there's Kim Ivan Juarez Villarreal who says good evening. <clears throat> Very good. And Ms. Charlene Alyssa San Agustin, who sadly could not be with us right now, says good evening as well. And Matt Bus. Of of Bustle Place Games, the guys who the guy who who specializes in horror games and um, a role a dungeon dungeon crawling role playing games, which sometimes double as horror games as well. Matt Bustle says Rocket Knight Adventures. That's a very good call out, uh, Mirage. He appreciates Rocket Knight Adventures, and of course there's yeah, of course yes, and of course Arch Neil Philip Ocampo says happy streaming from Arch Neil Gaming. Very cool. Thanks very much, Arch Neil, Arch Neil Philip Ocampo. Uh, let's not forget uh, Angel Santos of Tito Jano, Tito Jano Game and Miss Aileen Tadeo, who, um, if we can't show her video right now or in this episode, we will make sure to have her video available on the Pinot Retro Gaming page for public consumption because I am absolutely sure she is going to have 
an amazing uh, bit of input for our topic for today. All right, back to you, Viraj. Right, I'm pretty much done talking about this game. You know, mm. uh, we move on to the next one. Unless you guys have any other questions in regards to the game, or anyone in the comment section has got any questions in regards to Metroid Fusion or Metroid in general. Well, uh, let me see. I, I uh, me personally, my question regarding Metroid Fusion is. Is this something that, if you if you began, would it be something that you would? Uh, well, you did say that it is a good intro a game. Mm. Level of let me ask you, level of frustration because there's a difference between difficulty and level of frustration. Very How would you rate this in terms of frustration? Very low. I mean, there, there are bits on c- certain boss battles and things like that. You mean like, mm. oh, why do I do this? And you learn very quickly as the bo- patterns of way the boss vulnerability points. Okay, I should have used missiles when he opened his eyes. Things like mm. that. This part is this is the vulnerable part, I should aid it. So it's quite straightforward. Ah, very um, good, very good. You, and you, you work out, okay, where's the weak point? Where's this, where's the point you got attacked from? What mm. weapons are you use charge beam or do I use the missile, etc.? You work it out very quickly. You have to be, you know, someone yeah, there was actually a, a specific YouTuber who, who kicked me from his channel because I said this is painful because I saw him play this online. <laughs> <laughs> really upset. You know, when you use the missiles, it's common sense. So okay. I suppose maybe he didn't have common sense. I won't mention his name, but um mm. it's, it's one of those things where you know it is a problem solving aspects there are bits where you're like say if you, you can even die just walking around you know there's hazards or whatever you're thinking why not I refl- just replenish your energy tanks you learn very quickly i need to replenish my energy tanks why am i mm-hmm. why, why you know you, you plan things you know you go back and you replenish it by attacking energy enemies that respawn etc or going to a charge room etc so i wouldn't say it's a frustrating game mm-hmm. yes it does have a, a difficulty curve that goes up and it does spike towards the end mm-hmm. um you have to obviously as the as the enemies get tougher and tougher they take a lot more hits to kill and they have a lot more varied attacks so you really do have to keep moving you know mm-hmm. and I don't want to sort of spoil anything if you're asked to it there are some oh. there are some very interesting um, things that play back to the original Metroid game some interesting enemies mm-hmm. uh, and when I look back at this game I think oh I know what that was because obviously mm-hmm. you play other games now I think oh that was a, that was that that creature and that was it and you understand that if you played Metroid games before but mm-hmm. it's not like you lose anything like the, the gameplay itself I'll, to answer your question it's not a frustrating game it won't oh good um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's. It's. I'd say it's actually a very, very good game. It's just a very well engineered game. Um, a bit too easy for our, our Sega man sedan. Mm. Like, game for children. You know? mm. <laughs> I, I think it's just a very well engineered game for it. Uh, very good. Uh, first things first. Uh, let me just uh, uh, acknowledge. Uh, Dave Scott says hashtag RGT raid. Retro Gaming Times has rated our channel and our stream, our our podcast. Thanks very much. Dave oh. Scott and ha- thank you very much Derek Wanai of Retro Gaming Times for the raid much appreciated for those of you who are just coming in right now we are doing our podcast the Timeless Gamer Podcast and our topic is uh, underappreciated games the games that, that that might have flown under your radar in the old days but when you got to play you say this is so much fun so that is uh, our topic for today I, yeah. I forgot to make a comment about that Viraj the fact that you um, you mentioned that it's important for a sequel to stand on its own but still honor the source material still honor the mm-hmm. uh, the one that came before it it's a very important thing especially in times like this where multiverses and multi-sequel franchises happen it's very important where a standalone game can can be played by itself and be enjoyed on its own but still when people stretch uh, stretch their muscles and look for it they will find references to the original uh to the original game this seems to be one of those times where you don't need to have had 
played or or total familiarity have to, total familiarity with the original games for you to be able to enjoy it but still if you do have familiarity with the original games you'll be taking away more from this game than you would i think from... the reason is also sorry to cut you off, Go ahead. i think the reason okay yeah you, it has all that in terms of it played homage to Met, super metroid which is the super nintendo and this is actually the direct sequel if you look at it from a, a video game point of view this is the next one that came out this is the fourth mm. one um people were hungry for this game over seven, eight years since the Super Metroid came out. Mm -hmm. And Nintendo were looking to make a Metroid game for Nintendo 64, but the story is they just didn't know how to make a Metroid game around that controller. Ah. The they just couldn't get around the controller because I read about it. Um, mm -hmm. And this one, and, and this one actually has connectivity with Metroid Prime via the GameCube Link controller. Oh, so you, you can actually wear. I think I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, in the comment section. But mm. you, can, you know, you can uh, you can wear her like you can have her suit. You can basically it's a little thing where mm. if you had connected to the Prime Metroid Prime, you'd actually be able to wear her various suit in this game. Mm -hmm. It's just an aesthetics thing and vice versa. And if you locked it, you'd also unlock the original Metroid game in the car in the car oh very cool really and you can unlock it when you uh, when you link it up the front obviously i never had i never had that facility mm. and you classified the original metroid on then there's classics if you really cared about it but <laughs> you have two games in one in the original car so i just wanted to put it there you put the original metroid in well i mean it's not hard to do especially considering how tiny the the games from the original uh, from the original uh consoles were some some would say some would say just 256k it would easily fit in one of the one of the modern cartridges. Um, but first things first, let's just say hi to Zelsin Alejandro Manzano in the chat as well, who says good evening, and John Philip Divina Gracia, who says no Smash Bros. Well, it can, it can be Smash Bros. can be underappreciated, especially in terms of the fact that I'm not my my reflexes are crap. I'm not, I'm not very good at fighting games or brawl type games, so I might not appreciate a game like Smash Bros. initially. But maybe if I get the chance to play it or play it in a party with friends i might enjoy it i might appreciate it more it's, it's uh, like i said it's a personal matter yes Viraj, you were about to say i think the n64 smash bros was certainly underappreciated because it's the first mm. of its kind and, and people it, it came out quite late i believe correct me if i'm wrong for the n64 mm. okay. and then eventually melee came out on the cube and that really killed it that was the flagship for smash brothers mm. and then ever since that game came out on all the other nintendo platforms smash brothers has been the president of like like the, one of the top nintendo franchises for every platform and it's it sells in millions. It sells mm. millions. So I wouldn't say now it's uh, under. But the first N64 one, yes. Mm -hmm. But after that, I think again, it's <clears> a <throat> huge hit for anyone. And I would, I would, I would be hard pressed to say that's um, underappreciated mm. by anyone now because everyone knows about it. I think when at the time here, like I said, the Metroid game was still under the radar for many people. People who didn't really think about it on Super Nintendo because Super Nintendo was the main one. Obviously, mm. the NES one was there, and you got the NES, the Game Boy one. But as a franchise, I think it. It only really exploded with the Metro Prime and Fusion era, and this is this is basically it. And this is why I didn't really think much of it. I was like, "What is this Metroid nonsense that this guy's going on?" About? <laughs> and um, if I, I I forget the guy's name, I, mm -hmm. I, I was only with him for a short time. Because he, he referred me to a game series which I loved. I love mm -hmm. this Nintendo IP now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. Uh, Kurt Labrada in the chat says, 
Terraria was a game I never heard of, but gave it a chance and ended playing it for hundreds of hours. Yes, that's exactly the kind of thing that we're talking about in this mm. episode of the podcast, Kurt Labrado. The fact that the, a game might be flying under your radar because of personal biases, personal experiences, personal traumas, shall we say. <laughs> but you, get, you give it a chance later on and you find yourself completely hooked. That is the theme of today's podcast episode. Excellent, excellent. All right. So, I think we're ready to move on to, to your choice. Mm. So, I think oh, my choice? Okay. Um, unless uh, Joe wants to chime in regarding Metroid Metroid Fusion. Uh, yeah, that's what <laughs> Okay. Let's get the pervy stuff out of oh the way. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh. I, knew this, I knew this was coming. Okay, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. so I, no, I mean, I got a big screen TV right here on the right here on my side. I'm just mm. I'm just watching. And uh, it's so nice looking at Samus Aran on a big screen TV. I can practically see her ass crack through that suit. Yeah. Which is good. Okay. Now, uh, in regarding in regarding with this game. Okay. Okay. Out of the way. All right. Um, out of all. Uh, so there are a lot of, uh, of Nintendo has a lot of uh, first party uh, video games, right? Mm. You got your Mario. You got your Zelda. You got your Pokemon. You got your Metroid. And like... Out of all of their first-party games, I still haven't really uh, found that one game that I like. I mean, I'm familiar with all of them, but never, uh, never have I, never have I ever like really played like a single uh, one franchise of theirs that I really, that I really wanted. And like, I'm familiar, but for some reason, I, I just don't want to get into it. Um, but I like Contra. I like Mega Man, and I'm like Metroid is basically Contra and Mega Man put together. Uh, no, it's not. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. In the way kind of. it is, yes, but it's more adventure. It's a slower-paced game than Contra, definitely. Mm, oh yeah. Um, and, and Mega Man, it's a slower-paced game, but it's it's got a much more deeper adventure aspect to it. Trust me, mm-hmm. it's a lot more exploratory. It's an exploratory and adventure game. It's very cool. It does look Contra-esque and, and Mega Man is. No, that's the thing. Things like draw upgrades for a suit and all that, mm-hmm. and we constantly have different weapons and all that. But they're much they're fast-paced, side-scrolling action platforms as games. With this one, yes, there's platforming elements and all that, but it is predominantly an exploration game. See, yeah, no so man- that's that's where the that's where the personal bias is coming from because that's what I'm always thinking. Looking at Metroid, even with the first Metroid in, in, on the NES, well, my. F- uh, I always thought that this is just basically Contra and Mega Man mashed together. It's not a running gun, um, it's an adventure it, it, I know it's got running gun elements to it, but it's predominantly an adventure game. Mm. Yeah, it's more akin to Zelda than it is those two franchises. Okay. And um, and I'm like, so what would it, what would what would it take for Metroid uh, for me to play this game? Granted, I already know who's inside that suit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what would it take? Uh, is there any particular Metro game that you, you can play Samus without the suit? Uh, or the suit is very imperative? Well, <laughs> well the, the, the closest you'll get is the sequel, which is Zero Mission. Like, there's a little bit... Spoiler alert, people. So those of you who haven't played Zero Mission want to play it, don't listen to this. You want to block this bit out. You say it very quickly. Towards hmm. the end of Zero Mission, she's stripped of her various suit and she's in a Zero suit. And that's as close as you're going to get, my friend. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you play, <laughs> unless, of course, you play Smash. Well, yeah, he's in that zero suit, I right. guess. But look, you don't play play this game because you're, you know, you play it because you want to have the fun. You don't want to play it. unless someone does a, a, a special ROM hack where they have her in her underwear or something. Right. 
but I, I don't know if that exists yet. Maybe you'll have to look out for it. But anyway, now, now <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, ju- I'm just curious about the um, the jiggle physics, just in case. Oh anyway, <laughs> anyway, this is a Nintendo game. It's a family-friendly game. All right, everyone talk about it. It is a, it, it is still a Nintendo game. They will not go there. Mm-hmm. But come on, what would I'll it take, Nintendo? What would it take? <laughs> If you want them sales numbers, okay. If you want the sales numbers to go up, just do the fan service, okay. <laughs> All right. Nintendo will do work for, work very well on their own without that. They don't need to have. The, I know you want to see the cake there. I know you want to see some cake. All right. <laughs> there's a, there's loads of other cake you can watch. I mean, like I said, Street Fighter Six has some mods where you see camis, cakes, and all that. You, can, you want to see that some big. All right. Mm. Come on. Uh, sir Dan knows what. Uh, sir Dan knows what uh, what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan Faulkner, one of our co-panelists here who could not, sadly could not join us, says, you haven't found that one game which you like from Nintendo, Nintendo Sergio, because they are generally crap. Metroid is definitely one of their best. <laughs> one of their best crap. <laughs> Strong words from one of the Sega Mega Masters. And John Philip Divina Gracia says, debate, not a fighting game, FGC says. Hmm, okay, well, that's... That's certainly that's certainly something. Oh, you mean Smash? It's not a Smash. Fighting game? Yes, mm-hmm. it is a fighting game. What is he on? Huh? What's been spoken? It's it's they're beating, you're beating each other up. What else is it? Yeah, I guess John Philip Divina Gracia is saying it's a uh, it's a brawl. It's it's not so much. Uh, no, unless you're killing each other, it's not a fighting game. Yes, in in his in no, in the FGC in the FGC's fighting game community's um, opinion, it's not a fighting game unless it's one on one, one on one, or three on three. It's more a case or if you cannot to kill face. the if you if you cannot kill the other player, if you cannot knock out the other player, then it's, mm-hmm. the it's more a case of because there's mul- there's plenty of platforms that you can jump over to and change the tactics. The tactics are not purely like you have to consider where the guy is coming from on a on a flat plane oh. it's the fact that on a brawl uh, on a brawl platform there's multiple platforms that you have to consider where you're coming from knock out style and everything uh, there's uh, an argument to be made there's but... a huge argument because you could you could actually have a stage which is just one platform mm. and they do it brothers oh and the idea okay. is to attack the other person mm-hmm. so you you whack them and if they get over 100 or like you get 100 on them they become lighter and lighter and the idea is to smash them out of the arena that's oh. how it works okay. and there's three types of ways you can fight someone there's three types of brawlers obviously now we're at the stage where you get ones which actually use weapons you get mm. brawlers with their fists you get some with special effects and all this sort of stuff so they all there's actually a lot the, the roster for smash Bros. is outrageously big now <laughs> and, and there is that aspect yes it's not your traditional versus fighter like street fighter or mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. okay where you ko the person but yeah. you're actually KOing them in terms of knocking them out of the arena it's just a different dynamic so actually it is a versus fighting game with respect but mm-hmm. you are actually playing it it's obviously got a different mechanic to it it still yeah. comes part of that genre it says mm-hmm. on the back of the box it says fighting all right i'll show it to you that nintendo have said it it is and in, in any magazine they'll say it's fighting on the genre when they're reviewing it so that's yeah Maybe it's like maybe it's a different division of fighting game, shall we say? Maybe it's just just like there's there's a certain delineation as to certain kinds of fighting games. I guess you know the same way that Street Fighter isn't the same type as Battle Arena Toshinden or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. there you go. All right, very cool. So I guess that's Virage's first game, and um, let's rotate over to me. I guess <laughs> my first game. 
of the underappreciated uh, game genre. People who have been watching my streams will not be surprised that I am presenting this as the unappreciated game genre uh, that I am going to be forwarding for this episode. For those of you who are not familiar, I have been playing a lot of fishing games on my streams lately. Fishing games, you'd say, why are you why are you presenting that? Isn't that the most boring kind of game available right now? Aside from aside from pushing boxes simulator, shall we say? <laughs> because in, in, there's an old game in a warehouse boxes, you push warehouse boxes, but I digress. Fishing games, I started off on it, personally speaking, when I started playing an old game called Legend of the River King uh, on the Game Boy, on the Game Boy uh, Color, if I remember correctly. And it was very rudimentary, very basic, because I, I was playing Harvest Moon before and I heard about this other game by Natsumi called Legends of the River King. And I got to try it and it was very simple and it didn't really didn't really appeal to me. I finished it, but it wasn't really anything that caught my fancy. Later on, I started delving into other games that had fishing mechanics in them. Of course, Harvest Moon being one of them. Uh, another game is um, uh, uh, um, uh, Breath of Fire, the Breath of Fire series. Breath of Fire 3 had a uh, fishing sub-game to it. Breath of Fire 4 had a fishing sub-game to it. And one of the bigger games most recently that had a fishing sub-game to it was the Yakuza series, particularly Yakuza Kiwami, where you where you put uh, Kazuma Kiryu or um, some of the other characters and went in went to someplace like a, like a river stream or outside out to the ocean where he could go and fish and you know it, it's it's basic but fun. If when Sonic I Frontiers. sorry, I cut you off there. Sonic Frontiers has a fishing segment. I just want to throw that in there. I didn't even know that Sonic Frontiers. I'll have to check that out. Uh, but I mean, now now that I'm into this whole genre, I've I've started delving into fishing games like Sonic Frontiers like, has a fishing game. Sonic who can't swim. That. <laughs> There's uh, that's true. That's very true. Who, who's fishing there? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that we'll have to check that out. But me, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll ask Miss Charlene about that. Yes, we'll ask Miss Charlene because she <laughs> is our, our resident Sonic expert. Oh, me, you asked me about. I'm told there's a fishing game in there. It's fun. Mm -hmm. Go on. But yeah, this game, uh, I'm going to present this underappreciated game. It's called Bassmaster Fishing 2022. Now, I'll have to say, my my background with fishing games was very spotty at best. But when this game got offered in Microsoft Game Pass, I said, oh my gosh, this looks as boring as a a ASF, boring ASF. And I decided on a lark to give it a try. I decided to give, I decided to load it up. I decided to do casting, see what the mechanics of the game are. I had no idea about the terminologies, bait, tackle, rods, reels, lures, stuff like that. This game taught me everything from the beginning to all the way to the fine, to striking a fish and then reeling it in and, and, and uh, qualifying for poundage. Now, Bassmaster Fishing 2022 is a hardcore fishing simulator. We're talking, it's not arcadey like, um, like some games, like some fishing games are where you, if you've played a game, uh, if you've played Animal Crossing, there is a fishing game to that as well. You wait for a circle to go in and um, once once the circle goes into towards your rod, you, you press the X button and it strikes and you start railing it in, just pressing X over and over again. 
this is not that game. This is a hardcore fishing type game where you almost feel like you're there battling fish out on, on the water. For those of you in the audio uh, audio portion, we are showing footage of a fishing of Bassmaster Fishing 2022 right now, where you have to consider all the aspects of, of uh, fishing. You have to fit consider the, the temperature of the water. You have to consider the type of fish that you're looking for. You have to consider the areas where you're casting your rod and lure and trying to catch that perfect strike where you are looking for a particular fish. Some tournaments have you are only counting certain fish like largemouth bass, smallmouth bass, things like that. And if you catch a, a one of the fish that is not as and that is not considered qualified like a long-nosed gar or a bluegill, it doesn't count towards your points at the end of the round and you'd have wasted your time trying to lure that thing in. Now, it's not as it's not it might not be as fun for a, for a lot of people when you when you look when you look at it. And honestly, when I started off on it, I was completely confused. I was completely baffled. How the heck do you do this? What do you do? And it took a fair amount of time for me to just try to start feeling the game because the tutorial is is there. It starts it off with a, a basic tutorial and you get uh, it teaches you. You go out into the water, you throw out your line, you 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 feel the fish bite and you pull and pull on it and you you have to get a feel of whether the line is getting tense. There's a tension to the line and it might break. The line can break and you might lose your lure. Now, all of this is very all of this is very alien to a lot of us here in the Philippines and maybe a lot of other people all over the world too. But honestly, once you get into it, this kind of game is nail-bitingly tense. There's a lot of times where you are waiting for that particularly good strike or perfect strike from a particularly good fish. Some of the fish here are even legendary. I once caught a 40-pound fish and Joe on my stream actually said, there is no way that your avatar is carrying a 40-pound fish with just your two hands in your boat too, in your tiny little boat too. And I agreed with him because of the fact that a 40-pound fish normally would take two people to haul in and lord knows that's going to be hard but the fact is this hardcore fishing simulator will scratch that itch if you're looking for something that is further than your most rudimentary type of fishing game because if you started off with uh, legend of the river king legend of the river king and you came all away from it with a bad taste in your mouth saying that's all there is to fishing this game will set you straight bass master fishing will show you that everything that you throw in there everything that you bring into the game will matter the length of your rod the how heavy your line is what kind what the temperature of the water is what section of the river you're going to be going to if you're going to be going to the reeds or lily pads or out into the deep they all matter and it clicks inside of your head where you kind of say hey that is the fish that i'm looking for i need to get that and it becomes addicting to a certain point because I was unappreciative of the game in the beginning. It was very boring on concept, but but when you get into it, when you're when the fish bites into your into your hook and you start reeling it in and you're fighting it because there is a tension meter. If you there's there's a certain moment there where you know that you're about to break the line, but you still reel it in anyway and you successfully land the fish. It's a feeling of accomplishment like no other. Honestly, it's it's hard to explain and for the people who are watching the episode it's really not something that you might experience firsthand because 
you might be put off by the very idea of fishing, but trust me, if you get to try it, you will enjoy it. All right. So uh, Kurt Labrado in the chat says, in real life, I got more fish caught than my uncle, who is a fisherman, and my father, who lived by beach, uh, by the beach or sea. All my experience was just from the PS1 game Bass Landing. Bass Landing is a great game, Kurt. That's a really good fishing game as well. I mean, if you guys are interested, I might do a vis- uh, video series on the Pinoy Retro Gaming page detailing which ge- fish- which fishing games will be interesting, which games might that people might want to get into. And um, if you guys want, we'll, we'll start off that series sometime very soon. Dan Faulkner says, Sir Joel is selling me on these fishing games. Thank you very much for the compliment, Dan, because of the fact that uh, it's 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 uh, the concept itself is is it will bore you to tears. But when you start to try it out, it's you will get the idea. You will get the reason why a lot of people are saying, when I'm not fishing, I'm thinking about fishing. This will get you into that mindset. And honestly, when the misses. When the missus watched me start off on this fishing game journey, she was completely baffled, but she's still very supportive of me. And uh, not let uh, oh, I I can't even begin to begin to read your your name. Uh, not let Oscar Narf. Uh, hopefully, I said that right. Fishing on a game is a way of stopping time and forgetting about the weight of those quests on your back. Very true. Very true. Actually, in some uh, in some games, like in RPG games, like in Breath of Fire, it is a side mission that you get into to to kind of break the monotony of your quests. But if you get into fishing games like this one, Bassmaster Fishing 2022, it is your main quest. It is the one thing where you do. You go either free fishing or you go into tournament, try to earn money, upgrade your gear. In a way, it's also an RPG. Uh, Joe might object to that. Joe is very, <clears throat> Joe is very adamant about uh, the definitions of RPGs. But in my case, it might be a kind of role-playing game too because you are grinding a certain, a certain level, a certain amount of money, a certain amount of ability and it will it might catch your fancy too for now i'm going to toss the question to the panelists right now Faraj, what is your opinion of my description of bassmaster fishing 2022 is this something that you might want to consider go in the future going forward no no <laughs> just straightforward no, no. <laughs> Straight up no. Yeah, straight up no. No, no. I mean, it's. I think with because one of the things when I, when I create these mods or whatever, I, I do little mods and stuff, and there are a lot of fishing games. Fishing games have gone back since, to even more the way back to the 16-bit era. You got yeah. so many like bass fishing games or whatever it was. And, and mm. um, I, I did. I was struggling to know which genre. I did play these for a bit on the 16-bit mm. stuff, and I I, I, str- I didn't. I don't really regard fishing as a sport because it should really be a sport genre mm-hmm. but I, I put it under simulation as a yes. simulation so you're simulating fishing so i put it under under simulation life simulation and mm-hmm. i've always seen fishing as a simulation game series i, I see it different from other sport genres so yes. how you're playing you are simulating it the way it is and as fishing games have evolved through time mm-hmm. sega bass fishing was a turning mm-hmm. you know because you had that little rod extension for your dreamcast if you're that's true that. yes really immersed mm-hmm. and play these games you know you and it's you know you have you caught the vision all that I think mm. a lot of people love that aspect of it I think that's really cool mm. now you know I've obviously played I mean that last fishing sort of experience I had was as I mentioned earlier Sonic Frontiers mm. um, and it is fun catching fish and getting points and getting money for it and all that other stuff yeah yeah um, with this game it takes it to a level where it's it's like, graphically they're very beautiful the, the graphics are like that water does look like water I mean look at oh it. yes mm-hmm. it's, it's outstanding that, that what they've done into it and in terms of the gameplay it looks very intricate mm. that's what I'm saying and I think for this, this if I was into fishing 
fishing myself, I would definitely have a different perspective. Mm. A different perspective. Never I've been fishing seen. in my life. I've seen people fish. I've walked mm. past a lake where my, my family live close to, and there are people who fish in it. You know, mm -hmm. I saw a man with a pod, and I'm like watching him. Damn, he, he caught an 11 pounder largemouth fast. That is a very <laughs> good one. <laughs> so, uh, for me, it's a case of I'm sure it's a really cool game if you're into this sort of stuff, have an interest in fishing, but I mm. don't. That's why it's lost on me, sadly. Yes. You know, I, I suppose it's, it's like, if I had nothing else to play, and that's all I had to play, I'll play it. Right? Mm. And I'll, I'll probably enjoy this game. Yeah, I'm not, mm. It's not to say I won't enjoy this game. Mm -hmm. And it's, I suppose it's one of those things like, it's, it's how I was introduced to Metro. So, oh, really, is that game that good? And if someone was going on in my ear about this game back then, like fishing, fishing, I'll probably have to like think twice as hard if I'm going to buy this game because yeah. I want to shoot someone in the video game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to jump on a platform. I want to save the princess. I want to, you know, mm. all this other stuff. I want to be able to destroy this evil mad scientist who's turning animals into robots. Of course, of course. more reason. This is like, I could do this in real life. And I think this is what it comes down to with sports games and me, which is, mm. I can do this for real life. Why am I doing yes. it in a video game? Now, that's, mm. that's, that's why it sounds really damning, because it's not the same thing. And I know it's not the same thing. Yes. It's much more affordable than doing it in real life, because you've got to buy the rods, you've got to pay for the Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Mm. So this is actually a very good affordable way to experience fishing. And as time has gone on, I appreciate mm. that uh, if you look, if you want to do it, like, if you really want to simulate fishing, mm -hmm. this is one really close to life right now. You know, I, so was, they... I was about to say, thanks very much for bringing that up, Raj. So as of today, uh, July 29, 2023, you still have a couple of days for you to be able to have a good introduction to fishing games. Uh, Sega is now offering Sega Bass Fishing, their original game uh, on the Dreamcast and available on the PC for free. If you guys are looking for a good fishing game, that's a good balance between arcade fishing and simulation fishing. Sega Sega Bass Fishing is available to download for free if you subscribe to their uh, Sega newsletter, if I remember correctly. You can just uh, search in Google or in Bing, you know, for those of you who use the Microsoft search engine, uh, Sega Newsletter Bass Fishing. You'll be able to subscribe to their Sega Newsletter and get the Steam key for Sega Bass Fishing for absolutely free past July 31. I think they're going to start. Holy cow, look at that! A freshwater drum for 28 pounds. Sorry, uh, I'm looking at the video right now. Is there a bit in the in the game where you can take the fish with you? You can cook the fish and eat the fish. I mean, do you, do you no. Have sad to say, uh, although in Far Cry, in the in the game Far Cry, it has a fishing aspect as well. You, you, that is one of the one of the things that you can do, or you know, it's one of the things that you might be able to do. And it's it's the thing about Bassmaster fishing and all the other fishing games. Some um, a lot of the other fishing games, you don't fish to eat normally you fish for points you fish for tournament it's more of a catch and release thing where you it's more for bragging rights you catch a fish you show it off you know the, your huge lunker your 40 pounder to everybody take photographs and everything but you send it back into the water because of the fact that you are trying to increase the population of the fish in in the in wherever you are whether you're in a lake or in a river or in the ocean it's more a case of you're sh you're showing your sportsmanship like you said it's a sporting game a lot of people actually consider it as a, uh, as a sporting game as well some television channels actually show fishing full time there's the major league fishing channel and there's the um uh, outdoors channel that has actually programming blocks where people watch fishing competitions and fishing uh fishing expeditions and honestly a lot of people might 
might be completely tuning out by now, but it is one of the things that that really went unappreciated for me in the old days because of the fact that I my mindset was like for a lot of people. I don't know, <clears throat> I don't know why people would get into this, but the moment I guess it's it's one of the themes of our underappreciated games. Well, the moment that something clicks in your mind, you ju- it just won't let go. Your mind just won't let go of it. You just want to plumb the depths of it until you completely understand everything about it. And I guess that's something about fishing games that I really got into. It clicked in my head and you really want to get to know more and more and more about it. A lot of games, a lot of fishing games are uh, ride that line between uh, arcade and simulation. This game is the most hardcore simulation fishing game I've ever played. So if you guys want a real fishing experience, Bassmaster Fishing 2022 is the game to play. If you want arcadey type, subscribe to the Sega newsletter and get Sega Bass Fishing. I think you're gonna enjoy it. that. That's my take on fishing games and under, under underappreciated games overall. How about Joe? I'm curious about what Joe has to say about this. I have a few. Um, I have a few experiences with some side quest fishing, mm-hmm. like Sir, uh, like Sir Joel mentioned mm-hmm. before, and it, and he's right. It does break away from the monotonous experience of grinding for experience. Points. <laughs> Most of the time, you're just there uh, trying to get the fish and and most of the time it's just part of the side quest like for example if you're if you're looking for a particular if mm. someone is uh, like a like a quest someone is asking for this kind of fish and then you go there yeah you try your luck sometimes it's just a regular trout sometimes <laughs> sometimes it's just a shoe you know <laughs> yeah and then you just try your luck and to me this is basically gacha with a more fighting chance yes mm-hmm. you know Very what <laughs> Um, and so it's either and to me simulation games so simulation games like this one mm-hmm. okay you can uh, to you guys listening and watching us for now uh, simulation games like this one you can practically do you can practically do this in real life mm-hmm. although if you just want to have the uh, the pseudo experience of it sure play something mm-hmm. like this fishing games right now are, are getting more realistic mm-hmm. especially in their graphics especially with this one mm-hmm. Um, and and more and more they tend to add on the realistic factors that might affect the results of your fishing mm-hmm. temperature atmosphere mm-hmm. your lures yes. the threads mm-hmm. your your uh, your fi- your actual fishing pole mm-hmm. where, uh, how shallow uh, how shallow should you go is how deep you sh- uh, how deep or how shallow the mm-hmm. water should be mm-hmm. stuff like that and um, and I'm not exactly the type of per- type of person that would look at this and I'm like, oh, this is my oh, this is my jam. <laughs> yeah. No, it's one of it's it's to me it's one of those something that you sh- uh, like you should be experiencing for the first time and then mm-hmm. see if it clicks or not. Yes. Like I mentioned, I have a few experiences with RP- uh, JRPGs with, with with fishing elements, and I do enjoy them from time to time. Mm-hmm. For what for what they are worth, but not exactly a whole game all about it. Yes, <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the main point of doing fishing of a JRPG is because mm-hmm. you know you just wanna you just wanna quit for a while temporarily the main quest so you can go fishing. Yeah. If the fishing itself is the main quest, then what the hell? 
<laughs> I'm gonna go get RPG as a side quest. <laughs> well, there you go. That's it. That's something to argue that Breath of Fire uh, is a fishing game that has R- an RPG side quest. You know, <laughs> well, with, 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 uh, so games like with Breath of Fire, mm-hmm. games like Breath of Fire, even Trails of Cold Steel has, has a fishing game. Mm-hmm. Even Harvestella has a fi- uh, has a fishing game. Mm-hmm. Has, a fi- has a fishing. Oh, that's game true. Yes, so Harvestella all they have to do has a fishing game. All they have to do is just stand there, throw throw your lure, then. At random, you'll just you'll you'll just get a fish. Games like this, oh no, it it has a lot more. It has a lot more things going on. That is Uh, actually a fishing game. Those are mini fishing games. That's true. All right, that is. Oh, uh, let's uh, let me just acknowledge the chats for a moment. Ranji Patek says those types of games are right up near Joel's alley. Yes, thanks very much, Ranji. And Dan Palmer says, I want to know if you could romance a fish JRPG style. Would Sergio consider playing it? <laughs> <laughs> well, there, is, there was a scene in uh, Ocarina of Time with um, Princess Ruta. That's a fish woman. She tried it on with Link. You might actually get excited by that. Mm-hmm. You know, she wanted to marry Link in that game. Okay, to Sir Dan's point. Okay. If this um, is like a little, uh, if this is like a uh, uh, a bizarro world little mermaid <laughs> movie or a little mermaid game, I was about uh, to say, fishing yeah. and for and and uh, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe Ariel will uh, will take the bite. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Oh my gosh! Well, I wanna be. I wanna know where the people are. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but, although there have been RPGs where you have had uh, interactions with the merfolk, so it's kind of implied there somewhere. Yeah, I guess you know. All right, Ranji Patek says people thought it's a chill fishing game, but it's definitely competitive. Yes, actually, Ranji hits it it's on the head. Not, it's not a chill thing. No, no, no. No, no the competition. No. The, the frustration builds up every time you don't get the fish that you want. Actually. Oh yeah, it's very true. It's very true. There I mean, are certain games that where even with Sir Joe's stream, mm-hmm. so he gets this, all these big fishes, right? Trophy, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. He, he could have just got if he's actually fishing, mm-hmm. and I'm there, and I and I'm filming him. We could yeah. have gone home. That's yes. the biggest thing that we that we caught. But no, it's not the fish that we were looking for. Throw Precisely. it away. What yeah. the hell? Exactly. It was it was a striped bass. I was looking for a largemouth bass. That was the only fish that qualified for that tournament. I got a striped bass that was forty pounds large. Jaws saw it on stream. It did not qualify. I could have won the blasted tournament with that fish, but I didn't. <laughs> that's the thing. That's that's really the competitive aspect of it and the frustration. If you catch the absolutely wrong one, you wasted your time, you wasted your effort, you wasted the hard work that you did reeling that blasted thing in. It's that's really what strikes your fancy. Like Joe says, it's a gacha game, but you have an influence whether or not you're going to be getting the kind of right. thing that you're looking it's for. It's not exactly. 100% random. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right. Excellent. So that is my underappreciated game genre <coughs> for uh, round one. Joe, shall, uh, right. shall we continue with you? Okay. Um, on my game. Um, you know me, guys. I'm a I'm a JRPG guy. Yes. So um, every once in a while, there will be um, there are some companies out there who's trying something new, uh, just to add a little bit more flair, a little bit more uniqueness to their uh, to their JRPG. And my game for uh, uh, for this particular topic, one of my games are Valkyria Chronicles. One. Originally for the uh, for the PlayStation Three. Mm-hmm. Now, why? Um, okay, um, so oh no, not this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, another Valkyrie. No, not this. One. <laughs> no, that's Valkyrie for. Um, 
a lot of backstories. So the, the back, one of the backstories were okay. So when it when this was first announced, um, I saw the trailers of it, and I'm like, okay, set the stage. This was released back in what in 2003, 2004, to that, uh, or around 2008, something like yeah. that, mid 2000s. Okay, and around this time, a lot. Uh, um, there's this boom of first person shooters, right? Xbox, uh, the Xbox OG, Xbox 360 had it, and even placed, and even the PlayStation 3 had it. So there's this boom of first-person shooters, and I'm like, okay, sure. But the first-person shooters, guys, I'm not really a, a big fan of it. I played a few, but not really the first game that I would go to. Coming into this, when I first saw the trailer, okay, so. This is uh, so. This is just uh, an R- a JRPG's take on a first-person shooter style. Like you're running, uh, like you're running to something, stopping, and then shooting someone, right? And and I'm like, okay, um, what? So so it's ba- so aside from that, what what else is it? Uh, what else is there? Um, and I and I'm one of those uh, typical JRPG players um, who were con- who was conditioned. Magic <laughs> skills, you know the the typical ones, right? This is just people with guns and grenades shooting at each other, and well, so where's 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 the excitement in that? Uh, this is not, uh, and I'm like, uh, this is no different from Call of Duty. This is no different from Counter Strike. This is no different from uh, from any battle royale uh, shooting games out there. And I'm like, okay, it was it was made by Sega. Oh shit, Sega made this? Oh, okay, sure. And then okay, so so I bought the game, right? Okay. Oh shit. So um, I'm already, aside from being an RPG guy, I also like world history, and particularly with world history, history of war, with Valkyria Chronicles. It, it's a it's a uh, correct me, Sir Dan and Sir Viraj. So this is um, this is like an amal- uh, like a somewhat an amalgamation of the of World War Two. Uh, so the setting is uh, is. Uh, uh, a place called Europe, Europa, haha, <laughs> Europe, right? Mm. So it's in your Europa, and you're fighting this uh, this fascist government wearing black and gold and red. Okay, not um, okay. I see the uh, I see the Nazi Germany isms around here, the symbolism. Okay, sure. Oh shit! They're trying to invade. Oh, they're trying to invade a particular country. Oh shit! Oh, certainly this is not Poland. <laughs> So, and I'm like, oh shit, okay. So this is basically it's this. So this is like a retelling of World War Two, mm-hmm. the European, uh, the European uh, theater of war back in 1943, 1944, 1945, you use right? A little creative license. It's kind of right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so that alone piqued my interest because because the game because the trails didn't really mention all of that. So, uh, so playing the first hour of it okay i'm i'm interested on that i like war i, 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 I like how they are trying to uh, interconnect uh world war ii uh themes on this particular game okay so i know that i know why they're fighting now and uh gameplay wise it's not necessarily a first person shooter though it's tactical strategy at, uh, as well although on this particular game it's not really you guys moving on a grid square lines Every action you take, every spot you stop, it affects the it affects where your opponents will be, and it will and it also it, it can also potentially affect you, um it can also affect the 
the f- the fate of your comrades as well, depending on where you where exactly you place them. Mm. So you have a lot more variables in this game, right? Yeah, very variable, right? And looking at uh, and at at the time, there were, there were no uh, actual guides because there's no definite guides for this game, guys. It's all depending on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's depending on uh, depending on what ca- uh, what set of soldiers you should be using. Should be you using lancers, you know, the big guys with uh, with the grenade launchers. That's their, that's their lancers, right? You got your shock troopers. They're the ones who carries the sh- the sub the submachine gun. Oh, your lancers, uh, they move very. Uh, their move uh, their move set is not that far, although because they're carrying uh, the highest firepower. So it, it, there's a balance, right? Mm-hmm. Your uh, you have the highest uh, highest attack power, but sacrificing your movement. You got your scouts. They have the longest movement. They can run the furthest, but they can only shoot like seven rounds of bullets. You got your shock troopers. They run on a medium length, but they all, but because they have uh, because they have their machine guns, they are more they are more effective close uh, on a medium range close range area. So they, yeah, so you can just uh, blast your enemies right there. You also have your snipers. Of course, they can, they are only effective on a long distance. Obviously, only one bullet though, and they move so little as well. So they're sacrificing their movement, but in exchange, long distance firing range. So and oh, and of course you got your engineers. They fix everything. They uh, they disable traps. They disable bombs. But they're basically the weakest of all weakest of, of all of them. But that being said, you need to know which ex, uh, which soldiers you should be using effectively and efficiently. Just because one one personnel is weak doesn't necessarily they're weak. Period. Every single person has a job, has a task to do, and it's up to you, the commander, uh, to um, to move them just right to finish the missions. And you got a lot of missions around here. Storytelling wise, they tell it like a like a comic book. Um, if you're going to look at, uh, if you're going to, if you're going through this, uh, so th- these are just the cinematics, right? That's just the cinematics. But oh, uh, you, you'll see right there earlier. Uh, th- there's this book. There's some pictures right there. So they're telling it. Uh, they're, they're telling it like a uh, like a picture book as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to explain unless, unless you play it, unless you play it by uh, unless you see it play it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is in there? Oh, um, there's uh, there's also a permanent death here. Okay, there's a permanent death here, and of course it's a girl. And I'm like, oh, this is the, guys, this is war. Someone mm-hmm. have to die, obviously. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not all of your squad. Uh, so your your squad members here, they're not invincible. If someone dies, they will die. Mm. One in particular has a permanent death here, and I'm like, oh shit, here we go. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, so her dying, okay, so her dying, okay. I went John Wick <laughs> on the enemy. <laughs> the, 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 the next chapter after her death, mm-hmm. okay. I'm like, okay, you, 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 you. Okay, I'm gonna kill. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna you're, kill you. You're not. You're not getting out of here alive. You know. <laughs> not out of here alive. Oh, you, you know why? Uh, be, um, on this on this game. Oh, uh, I'm not saying it's 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 just like World War Two. Uh, they have their final solution here. They have a particular set of people here that it's a it's a uh, like a substitute for Jews. Mm-hmm. Uh, very oppressive, oppressed people. They tend to round them up, discriminate, uh, very discriminatory. Okay. They tend to kill them. Actually, they they round mm-hmm. them up and they kill them on the spot. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, one of my party members, a very important party member, is one of them. Ah. Sadly, mm-hmm. um, she's one of the victims. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, this will not stand. 
Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so there's a chapter dedicated to her, and I'm like, I'm gonna get this mission right <laughs> <laughs> for her. Okay. And, and I'm like, and, and I'm so upset, you know why? Because the the person that I'm the, the person that uh, that I'm expecting who would get really emotional because of her death, the game doesn't really had the time to show that. In the anime, did uh, there's an anime version of this, and they did. Um, they showed that character uh, showing some emotions after that death. But in the game, no, there isn't. Uh, the game's like, okay, there's no time for that. This is war. Just, uh, just grieve it, then move on. Okay. And I'm like, no, I'm grieving for that guy. I'm, I'm the one grieving for that guy. I'll grieve for the both of us. That's why <laughs> on that ne- on that particular mission, no, this one's dead. This one's dead. Uh, one headshot. This. Where's my sniper at? See that over there? Get him. Like, no bullets go waste unwasted here. Right? <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, long story short, uh, this, is a, this is a very good game. Uh, there are four games. Uh, there are four games that were that Sega released for this. Unfortunately, the second and the third was released for the PlayStation Portable. Mm-hmm. Uh, such a far, such a far cry from the original, actually. And then they oh. re-released this one for the PlayStation Four. That's the del- the deluxe version. And then the Valkyria Chronicles Four was released for the PlayStation Four as well. Mm-hmm. But the original, uh, but the original stands on its own. Uh, even if you don't play the Second, third, and fourth—it's—it's it's basically a standalone game, actually. Mm. Um, it's like, what if? Uh, what if? Uh, it, it's a big what if. If mm. Nazi Germany, in a steampunk-like technology, uh, grew something something like this. Mm. So yeah, um, that's it, really. Oh, and not—it's uh, it, just—it's just the European countries fighting, not mm. including the US. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it sounds pretty heavy, actually, Joe. It, it, it's um, I can see why you can why you can peg it as one of your under, un, underappreciated games because of the fact that coming from a JRPG background, something like this would probably be would fly under your radar. It, it, of course, there's the anime aesthetic, but the first look at the the genre itself, you know, World War II type uh, tactics and everything. I, I can see why it wouldn't appeal to you initially, but the the way that you described it, it certainly does sound like something that can pique somebody's interest and somebody can get really absorbed in. Yeah, you, and you're not just fighting people here; you're fighting tanks mm-hmm. and you're fighting um, Valkyries, so to uh, so to say. Yeah. Um, and there's uh, there's a one particular Valkyrie in here. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, okay, uh, get the pervy stuff out of the way. Mm-hmm. The jiggle physics. Yeah. Are real, <laughs> yeah. Okay, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> run, run towards me. Okay, do it in slow mo. Okay, there you go. <laughs> well, first things first. Let me just say hi to Dad Faulkner again on the chat. He says, Valkyrie Chronicles is fantastic. Brilliant shout, Sir Joe. Its combat system is so unique and so well refined. Great story and characters too. Yep, it's essentially World War II in fantasy form with waifus and Matt Matt with Basel, lots of waifus. With lots oh, of waifus. Speaking of waifus. Mm-hmm. So um and I, and at this time, mm-hmm. Sir Dad, Perpetual Sir Joe, I, I haven't played. Uh, I I haven't played um, Skies of Arcadia, oh. but the three main characters of Skies of Arcadia are in your party, and I'm like, okay, yeah, certainly, the, uh, because they are uh, their their character designs are so very distinct, and I'm like, yeah. um, certainly, and uh, at first you're go- um, on your on your first 
so you're uh, on your first mission. You're drafting your personnel, right? And they are the and they're and they're sticking out like a sore thumb <laughs> on the uh, on the barracks yes. on the selection screen. They're there, and I'm like, okay, um, uh, certainly uh, because you because you guys are certainly uh, designed a lot mm-hmm. better than the rest. Maybe there's something more to you guys. So I so I so I uh, so I chose them, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, they were the main characters of Skies of Arcadia. Granted, it's a Sega game, guys. Of mm-hmm. course, yes. they are. And yep, uh, each of these characters have their own quirks. They have their own pros. They have their own cons. Not every character here uh, is good. And uh, sometimes they are. Mo- uh, there's some characters who are uh, who are who, who will get some status buffs if they're with women. Mm-hmm. Some will get status buff if, if they're with men. Okay. Some some will uh, somehow some some people will have character buffs if they are with these particular people, this 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 and that. So it depends on their affinity points as well. So um, there's a good miss, there's a good miss and match here. The more you the more you fight in missions. Oh, there are also skirmishes here that you can grind. At least there's some grinding here. There's some skirmishes that you can uh, that, that you can train your uh, you can train your uh, your. Uh, your characters so that when the time comes their uh, their cons won't be um, uh, won't be a uh, won't be a such a major factor when you're playing on an actual mission mm, okay All headshot right. uh, always <laughs> always headshot see see if you can see the video see? yes always go for the headshots guys okay always I think Virage or if you or if you're like me who wants to John Wick everything no uh, <laughs> killing you with one bullet's not enough after oh, what shit. you did nah you just deserve, you deserve all of this lead I'm going to desecrate your corpse okay <laughs> uh, well Virage had something to say a little bit earlier what was your input Virage I was gonna say I mean uh, the lead character I thought what this character looks like Vice from Skies of Arcade on Dreamcast what's going on here and I realized okay so yeah Sega Sega they're gonna borrow their bloody it's their own IP of course they're gonna be their characters and um, I'm actually surprised you, you haven't played Scars of Arcadia. Scars of Arcadia Legends. No, at the yet. time, I haven't played it yet. At the yeah. time, he hadn't played it yet, so it was something that that he had hadn't gotten into. Truth to be told, after I played this, I went straight to Scars of Arcadia. What do you think of Scars of Arcadia? Hmm. Yeah. Oh, that, that's also that's also a good game and also an underappreciated game. That one. About Fire Emblem being the leading the one that's leading the charge, but again, that's very grid-based, very strategy-based in that regard. So there is a, a methodology to it. As you mentioned before, this doesn't have a grid. This is purely based, and, and you made a point just at the start of the video about how okay, your character or your party can move in certain locations, and it just that just opens up the variable counter exponentially. You know, when mm-hmm. when, the, when, the, when you get attacked, it affects you, and, and it depends on where you're standing or where you are at the point. So that's there's something to be said about that. So that opens up another array. Obviously, it's turn-based, so it's not like live. It's not like action, but you know, that's, if you want to play a game like that, okay, it's Call of Duty. If you want to, you want to shoot someone live action, but this game it does is unique because there's no other game quite like this. I like the art style. Okay, I like the way it's drawn. Oh yes, 
Oh yeah, I, haven't, I forget to mention about the art stuff. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So uh, whatever you forget, I'll just fill in on. Lovely mm -hmm. steampunk look of it. It's got nice neutral pastel colors, shall we say. Yes. Nothing that bounces out at you. It's just a very well presented game. I mean, I personally can understand that the women in this game look attractive, you know, they're, they're very well drawn. Because obviously there's, there's, I can understand why the whole waifu thing is a thing with this game, so I get that. Um, but yeah, it just looks like a really, really well made game. And it is a shame that the, the PSP one should get, like, I know there's they're not they're different from this particular version, but they should get re-releases as well this is a series deserves to be enjoyed by everyone on a more mainstream platform a, a home console mm -hmm. talking to ps4 or even, PS4, or even, even switch what people would buy on the switch i think you should have much more of a, a, a bigger release um I, I i it really does sicken me how well not sicken me it, it saddens me i should say that um certain game studios just want to make something exclusive on one platform i mean it just makes sense why you don't just do a multi-release and all of them and i've always been well, one thing i liked about sega is they typically do all of that Mm. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong if they have already but it would be nice to see the whole series because like we said about now and this is another question just to join this is linked to what I said about Metroid Fusion mm. you have to play the other games to play this one mm. but canonically or can you play this game without playing all the others oh, no this is the first one so mm. this is the first one oh. uh this is the first game and then the sequels are not uh, and then for, oh if you're going to play the sequels Mm. They're just referencing the characters. So even if uh, you play Volcano Chronicles 2, 3, they're just going to reference some of the characters, but they're pretty standalone. Volcano uh, Chronicles 4, two, um, there are two characters from the from the first game will just be there in your party. Mm. So at first you'll go, okay, uh, who are you guys? But then again, um, they're just there. Uh, they're, they're not there long. They're, they're not going to stay there for too long. So it's just like a cameo. Mm. So even if you don't, uh, they'll just reference it. Oh, they're, oh, they're the heroes of, uh, mm. of, of the first war. Yada, 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 yada. Yeah. Okay. Um, it might spark an interest on, on whether you should play the first, uh, the first game, but mm -hmm. if you're just playing, <clears throat> Uh, like it doesn't play a major playing, uh, factor into the story. No, not, it, it doesn't really. It's Aww. just um, so all of the games are basically standalone with a few references for, from the first game without mm -hmm. uh, without really you necessarily playing the, the previous games. Okay. On this one, uh, Valkyria Chronicles one. Even if you don't, uh, guys, if you don't play even the second, third, and fourth, just play this mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. Okay. If anything, oh, if if if, if it wasn't for the Sega brand name in there. I wouldn't even give this uh, this game a shot. <laughs> to be honest. Well, there you go. I mean, so I thought you were talking. I thought this was the one of the later games in the franchise. Mm. So I didn't, didn't know which number it was. It's the first one. Mm. I've not played any of them. I know Dan 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 goes on and on about that here from being really really good. I mean, at this point, I I have more faith in Sega than Nintendo, mm. if that makes sense. Well, in, ter honest, in terms of making, in Sega terms of making JRPGs, huh? Sega have always made better JRPGs than Nintendo. I don't care. Mm. I mean, what have they made? Earthbound and Super Mario RPG with help from Square. Square mm. Enix is not Nintendo. It's a different entity. Let's let's remember that, right? Square Enix is their own company. Whereas Metro, whereas Nintendo don't really do JRPGs. Sega do, to be honest. Mm. And Sega have Sega. One thing I like about their RPGs from what I've played as opposed to what Nintendo made, mm -hmm. okay, is they are much more of a challenge. And even Square, yeah, Sega do make much more challenging um, aspects. They make their systems a bit more complex, more intricate. They add that extra challenge to the game, but they also add that extra fun factor to it, which, which mm -hmm. I don't think Square really offers. There's a bite, there's a bite with Sega when it comes, that's the word I'm using, there's a biting aspect to Sega RPGs. Um, and that's me playing the Fantasy Star series. Uh, well, I'd, I'd like to highlight this comment by Matt Bustle of Bustle Plays Games. Uh, he says, Valkyria 
is almost like a miniature tabletop war game like Warhammer, but more faction based like Mordheim. And that's actually a very insightful comment, Matt. There you go. But, but and, and going that comment and going on top of that, that comment shows this game's uniqueness. I'm mm -hmm. talking about Sega RPGs, like you got Shining Force and you got Phantom yeah. Star. They're different from each other in how they play, how their battle mechanisms are, and this is the key, the crux of it. The battle mechanisms in Sega RPGs are different and quite no like no other with like that Square. They use very much the similar sort of aspects from their other games. They borrow our assets and they haven't really. I'm not saying they haven't innovated. They have. Yeah, there's there's there is definitely some difference between the Square games, but with Sega, one game is usually very different from the other and there's a lot more creativity involved in terms of how the battle system mechanic is in their RPGs. Say you like about story, art style and presentation, and you can always compare it amongst any others, but one thing I like about Sega is the innovation in how that battle mechanic is in their RPG. That's what makes them different from all the others. And that's as much as I really want to say in regards to the way this game looks and in, in other Sega games. Mm -hmm. There you go. And this game is so interesting in terms of uh, their, char their character developments the plot of the war itself oh and knowing the basic uh the basic methods of warfare hide mm. uh camouflage hiding uh hiding behind the trees not getting seen hiding beneath the grass all all sorts of stuff and uh like alexa Birch mentioned the art style if not for the gameplay as well it's a, it's a very fantastic game and and i'm so glad i played it um sergio any more impressions about this game well it it certainly is one of those things that you uh you will once you get into it you definitely will will want to delve deep into it and it, it for the for the war fanatics like like you for i i've i've had my share of uh of interest in world war one world war two you will the emotional uh the emotional moments i'm absolutely sure will grab you by the heartstrings and pull you along as you go through as you go through the storyline from the looks of it uh dan faulkner says well said Sivaraj. sega's jrpgs are generally more unique and have a bite especially if you include atlas's smt series shin megami tensei series smt5 is supposedly one of the hardest games on the switch i've not played it though oh well there you go gotta have to get into that the smt series is the main line shall we say of the persona series a lot of people make the mistake of thinking persona is the main line now the shin megami tensei series is the main line not the persona series yeah um my thoughts definitely something that i would probably get into I i'm just gonna i'm just worried that if i get into it i might get a little too emotional about it <laughs> this 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 game don't get too attached and that's all, all right. i'm gonna say don't get too attached to uh to, to the the <laughs> waifus this game up. Uh, it's probably, it is actually on nintendo switch so i'm gonna download it and mm -hmm. uh, the fourth one is on the switch as well it's just the, the other two are on the psp for some weird reason so oh there you go accessibility was a bit lame with that but mm. there are other ways i can play those games but i'll find okay. a way uh, anyway, right. very cool. All right, moving on. Let's. Uh... Oh, speaking of Sir Dan, mm. uh, Sir Dan also um, gave us his testimonial in regard to some of the games that he scoffed at at first, but came to like them otherwise. Right. Sounds good. So, let's, uh, let's have a listen to what Dan has to say. Yeah, here is Sir Dan. Yeah. Take it away, Sir Dan. Hello, chaps. I hope that you're all well. Uh, we'll get straight into my uh, choices for games that I shunned, but then uh, a later date I really took to. Uh, first up is Star Control. Uh, Star Control is an action strategy game. Uh, it was uh, originally released for MS-DOS and Amiga around 1990, uh, and it got a Sega Genesis port, which was the one that I first played about a year later. Uh, it's basically a, an interstellar war game, 
um, where you can take uh, control of uh, one of two factions uh, and it's a traditional ally versus evil empire type setup um, but it's it, you, you have one section that's uh, dedicated to action to just blowing things up shooting things you have another section that's all tactical uh, and a bit like an interstellar uh, game of chess uh, when I first saw it I actually saw it in a, a Mean Machines uh, magazine review and they scored it really high uh, and I could not understand why because I just looked at it and I thought these graphics are, are really simplistic and really nothing spectacular at all. You know, the, the backdrops are all uh, space, like dead black space. Um, the, the, there, are, there is some nice presentation uh, on, on some stills but the actual main gameplay graphics looks really basic and, and more leaning towards more an 8-bit 80s era than a 16-bit 90s era. Uh, so I just I was like, nah, this can't be great. And it was also the first 12 megabit cartridge for the Sega Mega Drive. So I also had to get my head around it. It could look so simple and yet rates are highly and, and require so much memory space. So I just car carried on thinking, there's got to be something in this. There's got to be something in this. And uh, uh, I, I, I actually... Um, I saw it um, for, for a swap, available for a swap, um, with a guy who used to come around in a van and swap games with us. Uh, and the, uh, he had it there, and I thought, you know, shall I take a chance on it? And, I'll, and I did, and I thought, yeah, yeah, why not? Well, you know, I, I was just so intrigued by why it, it was such a big cartridge, really. Um, and I'm bloody glad I did, because it is one of my favourite games ever. It's an absolutely addictive as hell, clever as hell, just, just absolute fun game it really is i think i think it's because it's got two fun elements to it you've got the strategy side of things which i love and that's fun and the shooter side of things which is again fun the shooter side of things is really where it's that it's a it's a, it's a, it's a very um rock paper scissors style setup where certain ships have um, a weakness or a strength against other ships and matching that up with the tactical elements is, is just a really really addictive and uh, you you can also play this in two player mode and two player mode if you put a, a random melee mode on where the computer picks what ships you play as uh, it can last forever this is a game I've lost countless nights in you know me and friends have put this on like for a quick go and then three or four hours later we're still playing it um, so that's yeah that's my first First choice anyway. Uh, my second choice is Avernum Escape from the Pit. So we've got another similar scenario here. Um, Avernum, uh, well, it's, first of all, it's a role-playing game. It's um, a traditional isometric one with strategic combat. Uh, it was developed by Spiderweb so a Software, who are an indie, uh, indie development team. Or oh, I say team, it's Jeff Vogel, who's one guy. Uh, and it's a remake of um, Exile, Escape from the Pit, which was released in 1990. Um, it's basically a really unbelievably um, ropey, thin, bare-bones RPG. It is, you know what I mean? It's the presentation and the style of the game is, is, is almost early 80s in terms of uh, how it moves and looks. The actual graphics themselves uh, are, are more advanced than that. They're more look more like a 16-bit game. Um, but it is it's just you know it's it's, it's like cardboard movement. It, it's not very spectacular at all. Um, and then this were another again. I just looked at it and thought, wow. And, and because it was.
was quite a later release because it was 1995 for Exile, and then this got a remake in the 2000s. I would I would gobsmacked that you know games like this were coming out, and you know how, how can something like this compare with something spectacular like Final Fantasy or something like that? It just don't make sense. Uh, but I tried it, and yeah, again, really addictive, um, fantastic story, fantastic world. I mean, it's an open world game, and this world's just a, a joy to explore. There's so much you can do with it. Uh, you can create your own characters and that character build element adds a nice layer of depth and uh, enjoyable um, a few enjoyable aspects to it. Uh, and it and it's just a really really absorbing game and within a few hours you forgot how it looks you know what I mean it's well written as well there's there's a lot of a good dialogue in here and a lot of good uh, um, writing in general and it's you know the bit a real nice nice um sweet spot of it's it's the small enough writing for it to be um digestible but it's not it's 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 got enough content there it's still long enough to have enough content um so that's another one that's another brilliant game so um my uh, my honorable mention goes to another to another um another poor graphics game uh, which is flicky uh, and flicky is a is a platform game developed by sega um and released uh, in the arcade in 1984 uh, and we got Sega Genesis um, port of it in, um, in in the 90s and it's a really really bad looking game I mean this looks bad like so bad it's good you know I mean this is like a, a B-horror thing where I look at the graphics on it and I'm like oh my god that's I, that's so bad I want more I want more of that crap um, and it's childish it's cutesy it's horrible it's just not it's not what I want and you know why would Sega make anything like this um and again I, I read a, a magazine review of it and it said it would were, were a lot of fun a hell of a lot of fun I'm like what, what the dick I'm, I'm not touching that I'm not touching that crap um I saw it going cheap for about uh, a tenner, if you uh, excuse the pun. And I thought, yeah, I'll give it a go. Give it a go then for a tenner. Because I thought if I buy it for a tenner, I can always trade it again. Yeah, I mean, flog it onto a friend, make my money back. And it's just so addictive. It's so, so addictive. It's really simple concept of just traveling around a looped screen, saving birds and avoiding cats. Pretty simple. But these, the controls are They've nailed it. They've just nailed this this kind of jumpy, floaty feel that creates so much tension and and uh, you know uh, like a, a sense of, of fear and being chased by these cats. And uh, there's, there's not uh, you know it encourages high score. So there's that high score element that when you play it, you want to beat your high score. Um, but it all works so well, and it it, it should when you when you look at the elements separately, it really shouldn't. But it does. It just it is it is a, a game which is just so so addictive to play because Sega of, of each stage laid out perfectly and Sega knew what they were doing you you they knew that you'd go certain ways at certain times and and you know the, the way that the enemies move in conjunction with the, the stage layouts uh, and the way that Flicky moves himself it's all, it all ties together brilliantly and, and the chicks that you have to save they create a big line behind you and that line can get broken so it's not just a, a a cat getting you your sprite it's also if it hits these sprites behind you then the panic the panic stays stays with you anyway because then you've got to go and get them chicks back again so again Flick is it's just a superb um, really really in- incredible fun game 
game. It is an amazing game, and I absolutely love it. And I, and I, I have to be honest, I find this, I find this way more addictive than some of the uh, some of the uh, more lauded platformers, such as uh, Super Mario World. I mean, Super Mario World's a great game, don't get me wrong, but that's all about discovery. I, I'm not, I never really find that tension or sense of excitement in a game like that, like I do in Flicky. So, um, so they're my three choices, lads. Uh, I hope uh, you check them out, and uh, I uh, look forward to hearing what your choices are when I uh, watch this uh, show back. All right, All right. So that was for Dan. Excellent choice. <laughs> Thanks for, for, for your choice. I, I completely agree with all of them, actually. Uh, for Dan's choice on Star Control, that's one of the greatest games. It's one of the greatest games of all time, ever since DOS era. Star Control 1 and 2 are classics. We're talking like if you are at all familiar with DOS games, uh, DOS strategy games, Star Control, those are the ones that are, th- those two are just way at the very top of the list. Avernum Escape from the Pit, I tried that recently i completely agree with dan it would dan if you're not careful if you're not careful with the verdom escape from the pit you are going to get sucked in so far that you're not going to come up for air until hours later like because it's it's an old school type of game where the old bbc bulletin board uh bulletin board uh computer system games where you download and then you really just get you just really get addicted to it. Avernum, Escape from the Pit, and I think there are six of those, all in all. So that's hundreds of hours of gameplay. And the very last one, Flicky. I understand because of the fact that it's the, it's the arcade type experience that Dan relishes. Personally, I think that's what Dan is experiencing with Flicky. If you put in your quarter in an arcade game and you get get hooked on it on the gameplay. That's the game that Flicky come uh, Flicky brings to mind. If you ask me, the, the arcade. Uh, so Joel, what, what's that mm. PSP game? Um, Loco Roco. Loco Roco. Yes, that one. Is, that one is a lot of fun too. Kind of yes. reminds me of this. <laughs> it does. Really? Yes. Um, it's, it's actually or Mappy for the for the Super Famicom. Mappy, yeah. which is the Monco sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I won't get it's different, but uh, Flicky is actually. Um, on the it came on this thing. I've got it here. Oh, nice! Very there cool. you go. Well, well there you go. Astro City Mini. Um, you mm. can get these quite at a decent price now. Mm. Um, and it, it plays homage to Sega's arcade history. Um, obviously, it's not advertised on the box, but it's one of I think it's like their third game in their line. I think it's a Sega System One or System Two game, one mm-hmm. of the earlier arcade games when they were developing their board. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a hit in the arcades back then. Um, and uh, it it, it the, there, yeah, if Dan thinks the graphics in the Genesis port is bad or the Mega Drive port is bad, then there was an, there's an SG 1000 port of that game. And I've played yeah. it. And okay. Do it. The, the gameplay is there even on that one. Mm, yeah. Really? Okay. SG 1000 game plays really well, but obviously Mega Drive game is the one that you want to play. In fact, mm-hmm. the arcade version I played on this, um, I'd say the Mega Drive version is the best version of this game because obviously they've had you know over like over eight years now to, to well seven years since the arcade one to put it on 16 bit hardware to actually enhance it and make it look better. So you will. Play the Mega Drive one. Understand Dan's sort of, you know, apprehension when you're playing this game. It looks like an 8-bit game on the 60. <laughs> yeah. Why are you why are you paying a premium? Why say why are you asking a premium? It's not mm. the graphics you're buying; it's the gameplay, mm. and and that's what it is with Flicky. There's just something addictive about the simplistic aspect of picking up all the little chips, yeah. you know, flicking the um the sticks at the cats, getting them out of the way, and putting them yeah. in the hole. Yeah, mm. and then you and getting all of them. If you get all of them in a row, you get more points. It's a simple concept, but it's a lot of fun. Yes. And mm. the challenge is there every level and it is a lot of fun so i've i've, I've got all three versions of this game now mm. playing some form or other but you know they're, they're there but um going back to his, the, the original game star control 
Mm-hmm. I've, I've played it. I have played it for a bit. I've, I've got through it, but it is a very in-depth game. It does involve a lot of concentration in depth. Oh, yeah. There's a game that's similar to that called Starflight on the Mega Drive. Starflight. I keep yeah. seeing it. I just I just never got I nev- never got started up on it. I'll give it a try. I think I talked about it in alternative RPGs. That oh, okay. Um, I did. Episode, but I, I just want to just quickly talk about that for a bit. Um, again, that's... I would say that's probably... You could actually give that a go. Give that a go. Mm-hmm. If you like Star Control, you like Starflight, you should play mm-hmm. both of those games. I need to okay. give I need to give Star Control a proper go because obviously that's got a bit more depth than Starflight. But Starflight has depth in other areas as well. Ah. In terms of the graphics, though, Starflight is 16-bit. You know, unlike Star Control. And I can understand why Dan has that apprehension. Like, what is this? This is meant to be on a 12-meg car? What mm. is this? <laughs> <laughs> It's the primitive graphics are terrible, but obviously mm. the, pro- the memory has gone into the programming and the menu system and how the game is, that, the content of the game, not, not mm-hmm. the graphics. That's where it's yeah. all gone. So I, I get why he, you know, that game was big, and I get why my Starflight was big as well. Both of them very good games that have been under the radar that were underappreciated. Mm-hmm. You know, people back then probably know about it, but mm-hmm. the reason I became came into touch with Starflight is because of my dad. Because it's an older person's game, a young person like me is playing Aladdin. Starflight is an adult adult's game on the Mega Drive, and I played it later on in years when I thought, mm-hmm. you know what, my dad never competed this game. I'm going to make a point and beat this game, and mm-hmm. I did something I could do that he couldn't do. Okay. But yeah, these sort of games do invest a lot of time. There are a lot of fun if you can really see the fun in them. But um, yeah, Flicky and Star Control, very different games, but I can understand. Graphically, not that impressive. And people mm-hmm. overlook things. And I think that's the problem in today's age where people look at graphics over gameplay. That's what it yes. comes back to at the end of the day. Agreed. Making that point where. Yes. Agreed. Think, 16 bit, man. It shouldn't even look like this. We've moved on from this 8 bit stuff. We should, we should <laughs> Sometimes we should go back and mm. this what the channel is fundamentally about the retro gaming community mm. likes we don't care so much about the graphics it's all about the content and if the content yes. is there you can gel with a game have a lot of fun have that escape that you want have that sense of self-actualization when you've beaten the game or got past a certain point that's the buzz that's, mm. the that's what it should be and that's what these two games are so good choices to them alright very good um, well we're approaching the two hour mark I would say how about we do a speed round how about okay. we do speed round for for our second choices Mirage. Okay, we can afford we can afford the extra minutes. Well, we can afford the extra minutes, definitely. We'll we'll, we'll you know we'll go through them. We'll go through our second choices uh, efficiently, shall we say? All right, Mirage, you go first. The next game I was going to talk about is Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney on Nintendo DS. Mm. This is a, uh, a game that my friend Luke told me to, to play and give it a go because I was getting advanced tools on the DS and I was familiar with advanced tools because I played the uh, Game Boy Advance games. I thought, no, I want to play this. Because what other game? I got money for another game. What should I get? He goes, get Phoenix Wright. I'm like, what the f is this nonsense, man? What is this? <laughs> Okay. Like, I thought I could watch a movie or read a book. I'll read a book. What's this mm. text-based crap? You know, what is this rubbish? And I thought, okay, let's give it a go. Now, I was playing both these games at the same time, Advanced Wars DS and this. Mm. This game I preferred. In fact, I, I thought, well, what's going on here? And I pull up the story, and it's cutesy. The first case is cutesy, and basically what it is, you, you're, you play as the character Phoenix Wright. Yeah. He's just become a lawyer. He's got a mentor called Mia Faye. That's his sister there. Mm. And so that's her sister there. Mm. And first case, okay, you, you, you save your friend Larry from getting done for a murder he didn't do and that was actually quite a light one the next case this is where where things get real where your mentor has been murdered mm-hmm. the person who helped you become a lawyer has been murdered and the way the story is written and the writing in this is so beautiful it touched me it really got me when when, when some of these look like so deep and you, you as you follow the story like okay and you meet characters and you think oh that guy is so obnoxious i hope he gets it and all that and it's like a visual it's a visual novella that's mm. what this game is fundamentally so it's my first visual novella sort of detective 
game where I've got to sort of find the clue. Well, you get find the clues in every bit, and then you get to a court case scene, and obviously there's some dialogue there, and it's fundamentally English comprehension. Okay, mm. somebody's you're, you're cross-examining them. The witness will talk on the stand. You have to work out, okay, what's he said wrong? Where's the contradiction that contradicts this evidence I found at the scene? You know, mm-hmm. oh, they're at eleven o'clock, but obviously there's a book that you see signed in, and that that, that person is signed in at twelve o'clock. So you think, well, objection. You object at that point. You think, well, hang about. This says something otherwise. Now, it really does make you think. So not only yes. is it you, not only are you drawn into a mm-hmm. great story because this spawned mm-hmm. many sequels. This is the first of many. This is actually a Game Boy Advance game in Japan. It actually got ported to the DS. Let me explain that. And it got an extra case at the end of the DS one to give it more value. So there's actually five cases in this game, which is why this is the best one because all the others have had four. This mm-hmm. is the best game in that series because it had five cases. More. This is a proper game, and mm-hmm. it really is beautifully written to the story. Phoenix's character development art. Me, you know, me, Mayafe, like me as little sister here. You see here because she was obviously you know you had to take care of her because the sister was murdered and she came down and there's so much so much going on I think she was accused of the murder actually so she was accused of sister murder she was doing some other bastard called Red White I can't remember mm-hmm. we're too late but um, give it a go it's a great game and it, it wowed me because I actually stopped playing Advanced Wars this I played this instead <laughs> this game I came second place forget you Advanced Wars I've had my fun with you I'll play you later yeah and I've played this and ever since then it's just been one game after another and I've religiously bought the games after that not so much now because they're only they're, they're download only now you don't get physical media anymore which is such mm-hmm. a damning thing about the King's series but I love this series and that's fundamentally it those of you who haven't played it yet give it a go mm-hmm. give it a go give that trilogy a go because you will want to follow the story that first trilogy is gold it's it's real it's a testament to how good it is that it keeps getting ported to almost every platform. I've seen it ported onto the iPad, I've seen it ported to Android, I've seen it ported to Switch, I've seen it ported to PlayStation. You can get it for yeah. peanuts. Mm-hmm. Peanuts. Mm-hmm. Get it. Really? For peanuts, yeah, it's nothing. Compared mm-hmm. to what I paid for the original one game, you could get the or the whole trilogy for a third of what I paid for the first game. It's worth it. Ranji Patag, my my godson, says, Objection! And he says, My favorite visual novel. One of the best stories I've ever played, I swear. Intense story, big plot twists, connections from one case to another. That's very unique. The the fact that the each uh, the there are the, the the connections carry over. That's it. There you go. Very good. How about you, Joe? What's your opinion? This is one of those video games that um, that transcend meta status mm. because of the objection meme. <laughs> yes, like that's me, true. At the time when it was for, uh, at the time when it was first released, mm. like uh, you you always see the meme. In uh, in some shape or form, and you're like, and if you're on the know, you know where this came from. Mm. Uh, it's Phoenix Red, and, and and I'm like, I'm not even playing the game. I only heard of the, I only heard of the game, but I know when I see that meme, it's Phoenix Red. Yes, it 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 it, it, it just reached that kind of um, that cult like level status of fame. Yes. And if you're one of those people who like reading a lot of text, and I'm like, that's not really is the case because me and Sir Joel, we like watching animes. And so this is not really, so you would think like something like this, it, this is not something so foreign to us. Like, mm-hmm. uh, because we like, we like watching anime in their, uh, in their full Japanese glory with lots of English subtext. So, and you think that this is something like this would, uh, would interest me. And, because I'm a, because I'm a, because I'm I'm secluding myself on the RPG world. <laughs> this is a, technically speaking, this is kind of an RPG, but more of a visual novel style, mm. kind, right, um, uh, to say the least. And I'm like, okay, um, it's one, of, and I'm like, it's one of those games on the Game Boy Advance that 
I would like to be in my collection and I would probably like playing uh, soon or or maybe later in life. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but it's the the thing is, I would rather um, one of the thing one of one of my personal bias with visual novels is that there's not much interactivity. Ah, okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm if I'm reading a visual novel, like Sarah mentioned, I'll just read mm-hmm. a book, mm-hmm. or or I just or, or I'll just watch something episodic. At least mm-hmm. they're moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so, in this case, right? I think you'll you'll appreciate this job because of the fact that. The actions that you take, the things that you observe, matter. Especially when it comes to the court, uh, to the court portion already, to the to the trial portion. And I, I kind of liken it to an auditor simulator because of the fact that you have to train yourself to learn to listen for inconsistencies, to watch for those little things that don't line up really. And I, I guess that that gameplay aspect is woven into the visual oh, novel. Oh, uh, Sir Joel mentioned about the courtroom drama. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very, uh, I'm very much interested in that as well. Mm. Uh, if 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 not for the generic ass storytelling, at least make the uh, the courtroom drama a little bit more, uh, a little bit more fascinating and a lot more interesting. Like oh, yes, one of the defendants is uh, one of the defendants is very inconsistent with his. Uh, with a statement, mm-hmm. uh, with, with a statement, with uh, so, uh, some documents might be missing. Some mm-hmm. people are trying to destroy the evidence. Stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, it, it it's intriguing in itself, especially with uh, with all the courtroom mambo jabo and the legalities. Mm-hmm. Um, for for all the people who are who um, who are also not uh, maybe maybe would like to practice law, mm-hmm. this is a good game to start with. <laughs> Yeah, well, Mirage, go ahead. So there was actually a, a YouTube channel where there was a lawyer who was actually talking about Phoenix Wright. Oh, is that legal legal? Yeah, I saw that one. So that was that one. But also, I, I just want to make a point about the point you made about interaction with visual novellas. Mm. Actually, with this particular game, there's an investigative phase. So when you go to the crime scenes, you do explore and point and click and yes. discover evidence. So there's the interaction mm. there. And also, um, you can actually look at the I evidence. saw that game. It's called Dick Tracy. Yeah, well, <laughs> in this particular game, you can look at the evidence, and on later, I think on you can actually look at the evidence and you use your stylus or whatever your touchscreen on your DS or uh, on the Switch. I don't know how they did it, but you can actually navigate around the item and and see if there's a crack in a vase, for example, and see if a, a certain piece fits with another. So actually, there is some interaction there. It's not just a point about point clicking all the time. There is actually like you look at objects, and as later games go on, there were other gimmicks added to the investigation phase. So there is a level of interaction in this, my friend, but. Mm-hmm. I suppose it depends on how much interaction you want. Obviously, I know the interaction you want is with the, the way through women in this, and sadly, with the <laughs> that isn't um, yes. a feature in any of the Phoenix <laughs> series, especially because a lot of the women, the witnesses, and that are really good looking. I'll tell you that now. That um, is called witness tampering, and I approve of that. <laughs> Tampered the witness all night long. I think that battering the witness is, is what I call it. But anyway, you, uh, but going for, forward, that the the, the the characters in this mm. are very very interesting, and I like the way they're drawn. The art direction in this game is amazing. As, as you go on occasionally, oh my god, I love the the animation on this. I like the cartoon. I like the way they're speaking. I love the. My father was watching me play this, and he's watching some client getting stressed in court, pulling at his hair, and his cartoon <laughs> yeah. like laughing. I like his ears. Like seems coming at his ears, he goes. I was like, "What is this? I love this." He's laughing at all the animations while I was sweating a, a witness. But yeah, look. in short, a great game. Something I didn't think much of, 
Mm-hmm. But I love it. I love it. And I think people should definitely give this a go. It's Peanuts on the Switch Store. Yes. You can play it on, on, on mobile now. You can play it on any format now. They've gone everywhere. So mm-hmm. give it a go if you haven't given it a go. If you want to, and it, it is such a wholesome story. I think somebody wrote something in the comment section. We missed the thing because it, it went so fast. He even said mm-hmm. his favorite series. He loved the trilogy. Yes. Mm-hmm. So give it a go, guys. It it's go. on sale too on the Switch right now. If you guys are interested in the series, check out Nintendo.com. It's uh, like Mirage says, it's for sale right now for Peanuts. <laughs> all, right. all right so uh, i'm gonna be going with my choice uh this time uh i'll just go through it very quickly my choice uh my second uh choice for underappreciated game is a game that i i personally didn't appreciate because of the fact that i had a trauma with the, with the subject matter uh in the old days during the times of the athlon and duron and intel wars and everything i built my own pc and it was a grueling experience. It was hard to source the materials. It was hard to find out which part went with what. So I had a personal trauma with building PCs. Now, the game in question is called PC Building Simulator. And I did not relish the idea of going into a game where you actually played a guy going into business building PCs. The idea here is that you are uh, you you are going to be starting off a business by building personal computers, and these are real computers. I mean, these are to spec. We're talking about computers that actually do exist in real life. You can actually check out their wattage. You can check out the power of the graphic the graphic unit processor. You can check how dirty a CPU can get when it first comes into your shop and you're asked to clean it. It's that kind of game where you actually build PCs. You can actually you can buy PCs that are uh, that are PC parts that are should actually you should consider whether they fit into your build or not. Now it's it's not as it's not as involved in terms of storyline because of the fact that the story is not so much in terms of you are you are off to conquer the world or anything like that you know you are just there because you are being given specific requests by clients to either clean their PCs to debug their PCs to get rid of viruses from their PCs or to build them a brand new PC from scratch and my personal trauma for that one was building the PC and I really was not looking forward to trying this out but my daughter got interested in it and we gave it a go and surprisingly i found myself getting very addicted to it because of the fact that getting a pc together building it all together budgeting pricing out the parts budgeting it all making sure that they all would fit in terms of power in terms of compatibility in terms of uh of whether or not they would work for according to the client spec and getting it to finally run and shipping it off for a profit is surprisingly addictive surprisingly you get into the grind of making sure you get the cheapest parts that will fit the customer spec putting it all together making sure that it works and then selling it off so that you make money and then expand your business it's not story-wise very involved uh, but eventually you will get into it because of the fact that this is the kind of thing that that will the grind will get to you and finding the optimal build especially when the customer is asking for a gaming pc or for a pc that will be best for running spreadsheets or something like that or uh, upgrading his personal computer because it just won't run 
on uh, the latest uh, the latest uh, the latest uh, word pro uh, the word processing software anymore is the kind of game that I was dreading beginning because because of my past trauma but since my daughter wanted it and of course I love my daughter I started off on it and I began to appreciate it honestly PC building simulator is surprisingly successful actually in the market so much so that that real PC companies have started to endorse it because it is highly accurate to how you do a PC build you search for parts you check the compatibility you make sure that they fit you make sure that they work you make sure that they're up to spec and it has expansions like Nvidia ROG uh, Asus and everything real life counterparts show up in actual in actual uh, actual gameplay so for the, those of you who are looking for a nice semi-relaxed simulator simulator game that is a little off the beaten path PC building simulator is the, the game to try so I endorse it despite now my original trepidation of playing a PC game based on building PCs this is the game to try all right opinions um oh actually uh ranji patag says probably will teach a person to actually build that's what he said in the chat it it is a good it is a good um stepping off point if you are curious about how it actually feels to build a pc yes ranji i agree this is a good way to kind of get a feel of how it is to actually build a pc not the grueling parts of slathering on thermal paste onto a cpu now no not that part but you know slotting everything in and making sure that it all checks out yes that is a good way to give that is a good way to kind of get a feel of how to build a pc uh viraj what's your opinion on it i think it's a very cool game i've never seen anything quite like it um <laughs> and especially like i i, I tell you that uh, and I, I totally uh, second you on putting like once i put a graphics card in, in my computer and it was like what's going on i don't want to talk about what <laughs> yeah i know that feeling <laughs> what but something really bad it went really it made a lot of noise mm. <laughs> okay but it did say on the box it was compatible and yeah there are those people who do make their own pcs and all that but then i've known people that have actually bought computers from people who make pcs and they just never worked as good as you would if you were to buy it in the shop mm -hmm. that's the truth really yeah. if you're gonna buy a gaming pc or a, it's, let's be honest it's gaming pcs if you can buy a custom-made pc and you think you can get it done for cheap okay fair enough but you might be unlucky but that's just life experience of mine tech talking you might have met someone who's great who knew what they're doing good that's great good for you i'm glad it worked out but mm -hmm. uh, this is really insightful for those people who are thinking about making their own computer um you know looking at all the parts and it's all very good because i remember doing a paper in theory when i was in college about you know mm -hmm. what, what components of the computer it is what does it make to make hardware how what what do you want in your pc what how does, how does it work etc what is the cost of making a pc separate etc mm -hmm. um and it's interesting because this goes into depth it talks about the ryzen and the intel it talks about yes. like, yeah you see all the little bits and the tools you need to make everything mm -hmm. i think this is i don't really see this as a game i see this as a tool mm. all of people who are genuinely interested in making their own computers albeit it's probably a little dated because obviously they're talking about components maybe a few generations ago oh yeah mm -hmm. but and obviously the cost is going to be dated because the price of these things go up and down oh That's yeah it's the theory behind making a computer and watching it run. And this is a, a really good training exercise for people who are interested in making computers. And that in itself is the game. Mm -hmm. We make a 
for this month? What is the best one for the money? What can I do this for the format? What will it do this? What is it, you know? So yeah, I think it's a really good game, uh, simulation game for what it is. And uh, yeah, it has its benefits for sure for people who are inter interested in that specific thing. Um, and it's, it's a powerful tool. That's what I see this game is a very good tool. Yes, Dan Faulkner, of course, our, our co-panelist in the chat says, what a great educational concept. Then you and Dan are in agreement with that. It is an educational tool, technically. How about you, Joe? I know you are probably not going to be the kind who'd actually touch something like this. But if you were, if you were to lay your hands on it and you know maybe spend an hour with it, would something like this kind of be something that you would play? Are there any hot women in the game? Any hot women? No, absolutely not. <laughs> any naked women in here? No. No, no. <laughs> is the one making the is the one making the PC a a girl? No, no. You're disembodied. You're disembodied, basically. Okay. No, no. I mean, um. There was a time when I uh, when I fell off from console gaming. I wanted PC gaming as well, mm -hmm. and and there were thoughts of making my uh, making my own build, mm -hmm. of course. Yes. But it's crazy expensive, and you're right. And I'm like, okay, um, I'm one of those people who would like getting the best components mm -hmm. out of options, meaning. Just, just in case I want to play this, at least my PC can. Uh, at least my PC is capable of playing this. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily going for the bare minimum. I would. I'm the type of person that okay, I'll if I can afford it, sure. Uh, I'll, I'll tend to research first what would be the best components are, and then whatever it is, uh, whatever it is, there's available. If it's a, uh, whether it's availability, affordability, of course, and the performance of it, pros and cons compared to the other. Uh, compared to the other products I'll get that mm -hmm. and going to something like this and I'm like okay and you're right uh, this is a nice uh, this is this is a nice educational tool for people who are who have no any lick <laughs> thread of engineering knowledge whatsoever mm -hmm. if you're just into PC gaming it, and it, it, for for all of you PC master race <laughs> out there okay um this is something that you might enjoy, mm -hmm. or at least something to uh, something that you might recommend to those people who who would like to build their own PCs. Mm -hmm. So do it something like this, and um, it's not necessarily for those for it's 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 not a game for casual gamers. Definitely, it's one of those very uh, maybe uh, maybe a niche audience. Mm -hmm. If you're not into P if you're not into PC building or PC gaming at all, um, then no, not really. And and even if the PC master race gamers are are are, uh, are 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 into PC gaming that much, I don't think some of them are into like you know delving into something like actually building their hardware. Mm -hmm. Some PC gamers out there will just uh, will just buy the uh, will just have somebody else build it for them or just buy an actual PC or or a or a high-end laptop and then just game it that. They don't really they're not really in very particular with with the components mm -hmm. uh, piece by piece. And then there are people mm -hmm. like Henry Cavill who are, you know, uh, hardcore gamers who build their PCs. Oh, you know what? Ex that, ex ex that's unfair. <laughs> that, that's unfair. There you go. You know what? <laughs> that guy ha have no business, <laughs> okay? Have no business look, uh, play, uh, siding for the PC Master Race and yes. still looking like that. Well, so, looking, he, he, yeah. 
He didn't always no. fuck. He was fat. He was a fat guy in school. He got bullied as a kid. Did you oh know yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. He, 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 yeah. He worked out like to look like that. He worked mm -hmm. hard. Like that. Yes, yeah. but he didn't get bullied a lot in school. No, that, that just goes to show no, that he was, a yeah. he was a geek well, what I'm in, saying in school. Is, and the teacher, well, what I'm saying is... You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, what you're saying is that... It goes beyond the traditional <laughs> look of a teacher. Okay. Well, okay, fair he, enough. I mean, he's, enough, he's, then, he's basically... You know what? Him. Right now, Henry Cavill is Superman. He's Geralt, and he ha he's right. potentially James Bond. So you never know. <laughs> but not, not if you tell me, if you tell me that Cerberus will start working out, oh well, there you go. And starting his own PC build, and I'm like, okay, I'll believe that <laughs> because I know him personally. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, that is my that is my opinion. Oh, Jom and Dan, Jom, uh, Jom, Jom and Dan, Facebook gaming page, Jomarat on Twitch, and Jomarat on YouTube says, "Nice PC simulator. This is where I built my current gaming PC. You can also use this for business. I do build a PC record, show it to the client. It's actually really effective. Hey, if and and honestly, I like to Viraj's point that it is a little outdated. They are coming out with PC building simulator too now. If it has, if it's not out yet, then it might have um, much more up to date components." It's much more up-to-date pricing and for those of you who are interested in the pc building uh scene this is the way to go you might want to give it a try all right on to you john okay um for my second game oh this is so hard uh, making it a lightning round okay so <laughs> i'm not uh, you know me uh, so revert back you know me guys i'm an rpg guy and aside from jrpgs i'm also interested in mythology what in particular european mythology ancient european mythology norse mythology so in this particular uh particular uh game it's Val valkyrie profile valkyrie <laughs> profile god damn it okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joy, um, Joy is into Valkyries today. There you go. I'm into Valkyries. <laughs> They're hot. Okay. So, but what about Valkyrie profile? Okay. Mm. So, a little bit of a backstory. Oh, oh, shit. Uh, uh, mm. Lightning round. Okay. Fine. Uh, so, when I first uh, when I first saw this, okay, is this is a JRPG. Sure. Um, I saw I, I saw the magazine foot. Uh, I see the magazine photos. I've seen. Uh, so I've seen this on on, on one of our local shops. I look at it. Okay, has, a, has an anime-ish uh, kind of look into it. Okay, sure. Um, and then I tested it out, and I'm like, "Is this really an RPG? Why? Why is this like a platform, uh, like a platforming game?" Mm -hmm. And for the first thirty minutes or so, they're just talking. And even if they're talking, then the actual gameplay is just uh, it's, it's just her uh, flying around, and then once she lands, platforming. Yeah, uh, and it's like it's just the three of you. Uh, it's, I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, why is it like this? And one of the one of the games that I thought of initially, like, you know, the, uh, Sir Barrage, Sir Dad, you know, those are the the, the Sega Genesis Jurassic Park uh, games yeah. where you can like you're you're moving on, uh, you're moving like from left to right, and if you're going somewhere else, you just uh, yeah. there's like you you can press up or down, yeah, to move to another thing, yeah, right. It's it's exactly like so it's like it's exactly like that, and I'm like so that's the first thing I thought of. Okay, sure. So it's not one of those JRPGs like you're roaming around freely. Mm -hmm. No, it, so so it's a it's like a side-scrolling platformer going left or uh, going going left, going right, depending on uh, on on where the uh, on where uh, where the map takes you. And yeah. then when we went to the gameplay, okay, so this is what I'm talking about. 
And if if it wasn't for and if I if I didn't see this, uh, what what's the other game um, that kind of that can that kind of looks like like a platformer like Odin Sphere? Odin Sphere, Odin Sphere yes, mm-hmm. right. But this one here, okay, this is the turn-based kind of R- R- RPG that I, that I'm more accustomed to. But instead of uh, choosing your actions like one by one, each character is designated to your buttons. Depending on where you place them, so Valkyrie uh, is usually uh, will move if you press square. The upper guy is corresponding to triangle, so if you push triangle, he'll attack. The one on the bottom represents your X button, so if you if you press X, he'll attack. And the one uh, and the one at the back, usually your mage or your long range fighter, if you press circle, they'll attack. And the good thing about this is that uh, there's a um, for you to achieve maximum damage and the maximum amount of combo damage you can deal with your enemy. You don't have you don't you don't necessarily push all the buttons randomly. Mm-hmm. There's certain rhythm to it, like uh, you, depending on who's your character uh, on, on that battlefield. Um, there are times that Valkyrie needs to uh, needs to move first. Sometimes she she needs to act second. Sometimes she needs to act. Uh, sometimes she needs to act last. So, mm. so depending on who who your characters are, it, it, it has a lot of trial and error. So you don't. Uh, so it's not necessarily you need to mash buttons for them to attack. At first, I was um, because I because I, I didn't know any better. Uh, there's a there's a there's a attack gauge there at the bottom that you need to hit 100 so you can perform their. Uh, so you can perform their uh, their special attacks, yeah. And I didn't know that, so I'm just so I'm just pressing buttons all willy nilly. And then when I uh, and then when I found out, okay, uh, so I need to reach a hundred percent combos. That's where the time. Uh, that's that's the time when I press uh, each button more methodol um, more methodically. There's a certain finesse into it. So yeah, and story wise, if you're into Norse mythology, it's it's all about Ragnarok, Twilight of the Gods, Aesir, Vanir, Mjolnir, <laughs> Thor, Loki, Odin, Freya. Uh, they're all here. Um, uh, the, the, the the Nordic the Nordic gods are are all here. Uh, they've taken liberties on on how they portray these characters are, and they can, um, some of the characters some of the boss characters here are can uh, can be very OP, very broken, and even uh, even maxing out their levels with a game chart will not help you. <laughs> and um, oh, one of the thing one of the things here. The crazy Spider-Man jumps. To get some of the items, there are there are placed very intricately somewhere too hidden. Either either they're too hidden or they're situated way too high on the platforms. So you need to uh, so uh, you need you need to plan your how far your jumps will be, how many jumps you'll take. Uh, it, I can't. Um, I can't. I, I, I can't show you a specific, uh, a specific game footage of of those crazy Spider-Man jumps. But but it's if if there's one thing that uh, that inhibits me for for <coughs> from playing this game again, it's because of all of those. Some of the best equipment, some of the best items can be um, can be acquired by doing those crazy Spider-Man jumps. That's all. That's all I can say. Hmm. That's why I love my game shark. I don't have to do. I don't have any time for that. <laughs> I don't have any time for that. But it, but either either way, um, this game has been ported to the PlayStation Portable. Uh, the definitive way to play this 
they added more story into it. They fleshed out more characters. Played the Valkyria Chronicles Lenneth for the PlayStation Portable. But for the nostalgia of it, PS One is also a solid game. A solid game. Yep. Uh, thoughts, gentlemen. I've seen. I've I've played this. I I've I've never managed to get really far into it because uh, I, honestly, the the storyline is very dark. I guess that's the right term for it. Well, well, not dark yes. in terms of yes. Yes. <laughs> because uh, because oh um mm. just just hard to interject because Mm-mm. guys you're into Norse mythology. Yes. Uh, Valkyrie searching for uh for mortals to fight on behalf of their uh, mm. on behalf of their camp. The Aesir and the Vanir, right? Yes. And unfortunately, the har- uh, these mortals need to die mm. for their spirits to be gathered by the Valkyrie to fight for the Aesir. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of backstories here of some characters, very dramatic ends. Unfortunately, spoiler alert. Yeah. Well, they're all gonna die, of course. <laughs> yeah. That, that's all. That, that's all. That's that's the shtick of this game, anyway. Mm. These people need to die first before they can be your they, before they can be in your party. Mm-hmm. That's her job. It's just that the fact that um, once if you're used to the shiny happy uh, JRPGs, I went back the way I was back then. Going into this, dealing with darkness, death, end times, and everything, it was very heavy, and it was very hard to get into for me. And despite the the, the brilliance of the technicalities of the game. It was very hard for somebody who I, I think I was in my early twenties when when I wanted to try to get into this one, but it was hard too. So maybe sometime in the, in the future, in the future, now that I've gone through much more in life, much much darker things in life, and I've seen the heights and depths of what life has to offer, I think I'll be able to appreciate this a little bit more in terms of storyline. So yeah, uh, thanks for reminding me about this one, Joe. And. Passing it off to Viraj, what's your opinion? I, I like the attention to detail in the art style. So let's talk mm-hmm. about the art about this game. Um, yeah. I absolutely think it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, the, the artwork is it's not your typical JRPG it's artwork. Enix, guys, it's Enix. Yeah. <laughs> before, the, before the merge. Mm-hmm. It's but, Enix and it's glory. Uh, yeah, well, Enix has, has always made beautiful art. I always preferred their art style to Square back in those days if you look at in their games but I really like the art style I like the fact that during the battle sequences as we saw earlier there's a mm. bit of scaling where it zooms in and out it crops in and out and there's a, there's a scaling there which I like because obviously one thing that Mega Drive struggled with was scaling you know the Super Nintendo could scale mm. but it was still a bit juddery and obviously the 32-bit stuff is actually quite smooth you can see it's there and you see the textures in the background as well and the attention to detail in that and mm. even the attacks and the special abilities uh, you know if you look at you know the magic and how it uh, the effects is all the various special effects on this this was outstanding back in those days if you think about it obviously now we take this for granted but even then stuff like this is locked to its time i think there's something really special about it and you can tell that there's a lot of effort that was made in the production time design of this game in how the characters animated how they reacted how they took out the villains you know look at that fire effect there you know look at the different transparencies oh yeah i mean let's just take a look minute to just look at that it's absolutely stunning and you know this is a game that I'm not aware of. The first time I've seen is my first impression of giving this game. This is a game that I play now. Yes, it's a game that I'd be interested in. Um, you know, I, I think it's a very well-made game. I like the darkness of it because there are a lot of the cutesy role-playing games. Yes, obviously, anime style does have a cutesy element to it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even the enemy designs. You know, some of these creatures that you find look a bit scary. You know, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, I, I like it. It must have a very interesting story. And for for yeah, like you said earlier, for young youngsters, you know, are really 
go on and play this is a bit too dark for me but as you get older you can appreciate the darker story you know you can appreciate the level of grit that goes into the character you really do feel like you're an adventure up against all odds and that's the sort of game that this looks like you know and i've not even played this game i'm just going on the first impression from what i can see here from the video of what you've told me mm-hmm. so um yeah props to you props to you to just in this game because it's not something that i would have even known about i mean you know whatever but now i know it's a game that exists on the playstation that i can definitely give all right dan dan has a very pertinent question for you joe uh you can read it out and answer it at the same time um sir dan said that he only played the sequel to valkyrie profile which is two silmeria but the way it played wasn't for him and he's asking if i have played that yes i have played uh Valkyria, uh, Valkyria, Valkyria Profile <laughs> 2, Silmaria for the PlayStation 2, and I made a video, uh, a video review of that one. Uh, I posted that on my YouTube channel and the PRG uh, Facebook page. And how does it compare? Okay. Oh boy. All right. So they up the ante with the Spider-Man jumps. Good okay. lord. Okay. So uh, if if Valkyrie Profile One is very traumatizing because you don't know how exactly you're gonna get there, they up the ante with this one. They went nuts with this one. And um, oh, you know how, how how I like using my Game Shark because I have no because I have no time to grind mm. and get getting all those items. If you use a Game Shark on Silmeria, it will corrupt all of your save game files. So mm. better not do it. <laughs> I, I I learned it the hard way. So Silmeria <laughs> said, "Filthy cheater." <laughs> I learned it, I, I I learned it the hard way. And okay. As far as the game, as far as the gameplay, it plays pretty much the same as this one. Mm. Uh, circle uh, triangle, circle X square. They still move the same way. However, um, uh, oh, uh, the the side scrolling aspect of it that's still there. Um, the fact of the gameplay. Okay, so in the gameply in in Valkyrie Pro, uh, Val- Valkyrie Profile One. Mm-hmm. God damn it! In Valkyrie Profile <laughs> in, in V in VP One. Okay, okay. In VP One. I call it VP One. In VP One, there. Uh, if you encounter uh, the enemies, they're just there, right? They're just there. Uh, enemies right here uh, on the left, and then your characters are on the right. In VP2, your uh, once you encounter the enemy, there might be way beyond there on the other side, and you have to go to them. You have to approach them. Okay, so you have to approach them so you can engage them on fighting them on a uh, um, uh, on the, the old-fashioned way. So, so that so that means that um, because you're moving your character, uh, you're dashing to get to those uh, to, to those opponents. Sometimes the, the the topography can get in the way. Like for example, if there are stairs and if you're dashing, some of those some of those characters will end up being left behind because they're too stupid to follow you. <laughs> It's not like it's it's not like it's just the Valkyrie moving alone. No, it's it's all four of you dashing towards the enemy. If there's a particular obstacle and someone gets left behind, and that means if someone gets left behind, then that and it's only the three of you fighting the enemy. It's so stupid. I don't know why they made it like that. So if I'm going if I'm going to compare, I would say VP one. Uh, storytelling, storytelling wise, gameplay wise, it's it's a it's a tighter game compared to VP2. So I would suggest playing VP1. And just because VP2 has uh, has more updated graphics, no, this is what Sergeant mentioned. Graphics ain't everything. Just because it's a new generation doesn't mean the gameplay will also and be anything different. Mm. Okay, I would say VP1 as a whole it plays a lot better than VP2. 
And unfortunately, I, I haven't played Elysium yet. Took them a while to, uh, to to make another Valkyrie game, to be honest. I haven't played that one yet, but as far as I can tell with the gameplay, oh my god, another DMC stuff. <laughs> another hack and slash game. Uh, they, uh, Square, I don't, I'm not sure why Square Enix is keep doing this, uh, keep doing this decision making everything hack and slash. Well, because it, it appeals to Western gamers, I think. Yeah. Like, oh, Screw the Western gamers. Yeah. <laughs> That's where the me? money is. That's where the what money is. Me? What about my needs? <laughs> like action RPGs, man. People want to feel like they're beating someone. Rather than the character to do it themselves, I think that's what it is. But you know, look, I'm not here to debate it's what Square's market research. <laughs> that Final Fantasy 16 is going to sell, they're going to make a lot of money from it, whether we like it or not. It's just the way what it about is. my needs? What about Sir Joel's needs? What about Sir Dan's needs? What about our needs? Uh, Kurt Labrada says uh, on the chats reminds me of the game Dust and Elysian Tale. Oh, that's something I keep seeing around, Kurt. I just never got the chance to try it out. It might be on Game Pass. I'll give it a shot. Uh, thanks for the recommend. Uh, that's the nice thing about interacting with the audience. We get to find out about all these things that kind of relate to each other and might be interesting to us. All right. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So right before we end the show, guys, um, let's just hear it uh, with Miss Ice's uh, testimonial about her games that she scoffed at but yet yes. enjoyed mind you I just fixed this up at the last minute so apologies <laughs> I'll upload the final version I I don't want I mean I, she's waiting down there might as well <laughs> here she is Boom. hi everyone this is Essie Porter I'm gonna talk about my underestimated games games which I didn't find interesting at first but then when I dove into them I found them really interesting so my first pick is Dragon Age Origins, an RPG released in 2009 by BioWare. It's set in the fictional world of Thedas where you are recruited as one of the Grey Wardens, defenders for when creatures called Darkspawn and a dragon tainted by Darkspawn called the Archdemon come to the surface every few hundred years to attack in an event called the Blight. So I first came across this game from cards of the now inactive online trading card game called 1UP. I was actually appalled at the 3D character designs. I didn't like them, uh, so I kept trading my Dragon Age cards. But later on, I became a deck maker in the TCG that I had to make Dragon Age decks from photos submitted by TCG players. They piqued my interest and so I downloaded it off the internet. Again, we do not condone piracy. I enjoyed the game a lot, so I ended up buying an original physical copy of the game, which is the Ultimate Edition which has all the DLCs. I fell in love with the game and uh, I liked its gripping story. The gameplay is amazing. There is some strategy element to it even though it's live combat. You can actually pause it. You can set what the characters in your team will do so that the others attack enemies, help each other or stay behind while you control one character. You can zoom in and out and the PC version has a top-down view and having played Dragon Age and its other games, it led me to buy Baldur's Gate later on, which of course is also another Bioware game. I enjoyed the funny dialogue in Dragon Age, the choices, the banter. In this game, you also get to choose the character race, which then gives you a unique origin story for each race. It's all different before one huge pivotal moment in the story where the story of the character as a Grey Warden begins, which is the same for everyone. Uh, the voice acting in this game is excellent. Well, there is the Tim Curry. Come on, Tim Curry's in here. 
And then there's uh, I Love Alistair, played by Steve Valentine. I think everybody loves Alistair. <laughs> uh, and then there's Turn Low Game, which is voiced by the Simon Templeman. If you don't know him, he played Kane from The Legacy of Kane. And not to brag, but I have an autograph of Simon. <laughs> Please test the picture. Sergio. <laughs> Uh, there's so much to do in this game that when you finish the main game, I did it in maybe 80 hours, you want to replay it as a different race at last because of the different skill set, weapons, stats. Rose have higher dexterity early on, so you could open the door and chests and locks. And even after that, there are the DLCs for which you could play. So there is excellent replayability. One thing I don't like about this is the paid levels. I mean, I don't like the fact that there is a known bug where you get stuck with the boss and if you do not have a previous save from before the fade levels you're gonna have to replay it from the start just like i did <laughs> the fade levels themselves i'm okay with that but other players hate it so i love dragon age origins that i then played dragon age 2 and dragon age inquisition and just to put it out there stan said the cake is alive <laughs> if you know you know <laughs> My second game is East 1 and 2 Chronicles, which was originally released in 1989 and 1990 for the PC Engine and Graphics, respectively. Here you play as the main character, Adult Christine, who must seek out the six books of Yeast that contains the history of the ancient vanished land of Yeast. Those will give him the knowledge that he needs to defeat the evil forces currently sweeping the land of Hysteria. So Yeast is the name of the land that is floating above Vistaria's surface for 700 years which you can see in the game. I came across this game in 2018 during a Steam sale. I wasn't actually sure whether I'd buy it. I was just looking for any games on sale. So I read reviews and wasn't really sure about that bump system. But then I gave it a chance and actually found that bump battle system really satisfying. Especially when you're strong enough to attack enemies without losing health. I really enjoyed the story and the lovely anime art. The game is quite short that you can finish it in under 3 hours. And there is actually some replayability with it even though it's just short. You can play different difficulties for achievements. Now, this game also got me interested in other East games that I played. Origins next, which I love the action RPG combat there. And it's an excellent prequel with Nods East 1 and 2. I also bought other East games that are currently in my gaming backlog now. Um, also, there was an anime made about East 1 and 2 back then. I've seen a few of the first episodes and I love how they captured the story the game, even though the anime is not really long. At this point, I'm thinking maybe I should play the PC Engine or TurboGrafx version because as a gamer, I think I should play the original. The these one and two chronicles are modern versions. One thing I liked, or just a tidbit, in the intro, the nurse stops Bluto and Snap from interviewing Adol, who just woke up from being rescued because he showed up on shore after like his boat sank. And then, because the nurse was kind of telling them off, Snap said, "Uh oh, here she comes! Watch out, boy! She'll chew you up." If you know that, yeah, you're old. <laughs> you get the reference. <laughs> and I love Hollywood. Uh, so my recommendation is play 1 and 2 first, then Origins, so you won't be shocked with the gameplay change. Origins has a similar combat style to the other sequels. 
for my honorable mention, I choose Mafia 1. I love GTA, so I was looking for similar games that are third person, and this popped up on my Steam recommendations. So Mafia 1, not the definitive edition, the original one, was released in 2002 on Windows. It isn't as open world as GTA. I enjoyed the story, it's cinematic and feels like a gaster movie. There are also cool classic cars and they're enjoyable to drive um, except that driving level at the start when you need to drive a really slow car. But it's kind of a miss that it isn't on the definitive edition, you know, as part of the Mafia 1 experience. Oh, there are also nice music from the 30s and 40s that you can play while driving on the radio. What I don't like about this game is mainly getting ticketed in the speed, especially when you're in the chase. So this led me to also play Mafia 2, which I also love the story. The graphics was a huge upgrade. And sorry to handsome. And Lastly, I tried them more, but I'm not fond of the true crime documentary style storytelling, and it doesn't feel the same as its predecessors. So that's all for my underestimated games. I hope you have enjoyed those games, or will be trying them. Let's hear the other panels. Thank you, everybody. Well, there we have it. Yeah. Like, like, like I said, Miss Eileen's choices are always very interesting and the kind that you that you would want to try out in the future. Haven't tried that? Tried them out yet? <laughs> so, drag, so that was Dragon Age Origins. Yes. East one and two. Hey, a fellow RPG gamer finally uh, mm. JRPG, you find, found its way to Miss I. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk <laughs> together. Uh, and um, and what's the other one? Um, Mafia. Mafia. Mm. Hey. <laughs> I mean, use book one and two. You can get on this thing here. It's the graphics PC Engine Mini. This is the Turbo Graphics 16 Mini in Europe. It's our European shell. Is that the mini one? This is the mini, yeah. Pretty much. That's you the mini. See. Pretty much the same size as the as the as the yeah, original. It's, a little bit it's, it's just a little bit smaller. So it's funny that, but yeah, it's mm. a, a HDMI out there. Right. That's the mini. I think it's actually the best version of the Turbo Graphics 16 Mini. If I'm being, I'm, I know I'm being biased because I'm in the European region, but mm. it's smaller. It's the same size as the Japanese version, but you also have the turbo switch buttons on the controller for it, which the Americans have. The American Turbo Graphics 16 is quite mini, is quite big. But anyway, um, but Use Book One and Two is actually on this, and it's nice to see Miss Arlene's choice because she obviously looked at the the pimped out one with the liquor paint, and actually looked so much better than the original. Well, the original, original Book One and Two. The original Book One, obviously. These actually came out in 87, and then 88 was a sequel, and then Book 1 and 2 was a fusion of those two in 89. Uh, and then they made East 3 eventually, which is the best version. That's the Mega Drive, I would say, mm. that. Genesis. But um, uh, yeah, it's, it's very nice seeing the liquor paint on that RPG. It actually looks much more appealing. Um, I mean, yes, we know it's all about the gameplay, but sometimes you need graphics to entice you to wanting to play the game as well. Sometimes if you're like born like I am, like bang splat in the middle of the 80s, and you grow up on 16-bit stuff, when you look at something that's 8-bit, you think it takes me harder to get into that. It, it's, it's a bit of a, a slog to get that's correct but when you it's how it plays and that's it but that liquor paint really does that that classic game justice and i appreciate that, that. is the same yeah. argument i keep hearing from chrono trigger fans you have to be there <laughs> during the 90s <laughs> when when you play chrono trigger, hold up. i think look i think 16-bit graphics still hold up i don't care what anyone says I mean, oh yeah next step from from that in terms of 2d game well there wasn't anything more i mean you get 32-bit 2d games but there's not much in it really just more colors and probably a bit more 3d rendering but that's it it doesn't enhance it that much more than the 16-bit palette 
16 bits to 8 bit is a huge jump. It's a huge jump in terms of what you can do. But when you go to 32 bit, I think, okay, yeah, it's a bigger jump there on 2D games. It's really the 3D stuff in 32 bit and beyond. But 16 bit is like the best 2D looking graphics. And if you can't, if you don't like 2D games, you don't like 16, if you don't like 16 bit, you clearly don't like 2D games. That's what he told me about a person. But anyway, never mind. In my case, it's just, a, it's just a legacy. If it's is, sure, I'll play it eventually. And it's made by Nihon Falcom, one of my favorite yeah. developers of uh, JRPG I'm, I'm developers. The developer. I'm the rated developer, for sure. They don't try loud enough. And their sound team, I'll tell you what, I know we haven't done our sound one yet, but their sound team is on point. They do amazing sound for their games. Just want to put it out there. Yuzo Koshiro did the music for Yeez, by the way, who went on to do Streets of Rage and Beyond Worlds, the Sega composer, did the Streets of Rage and Shinobi game. He worked on Yeez. He's one of the composers. That's where he started off before he moved on. So you know what? I'm just waiting for that particular game uh, where the East characters are going to be mashed up with the with the Legend of Hero characters. I mean, it can happen. It, it can happen. happen. <laughs> but yeah, Yeezus what are your thoughts about uh, Miss Eileen's uh, game, Sir Joel? Uh, personally, they they are excellent excellent choices. Uh, Miss Eileen Miss Eileen's choices always are on point. Uh, Mafia. Uh, I hear uh, I have the collection, and I have to start off on it. It's all it's it's got that 1940s going into the 1960s vibe, and I hear has so really mafia versus yakuza. Yakuza by far, but mafia, <laughs> but mafia I hear is a very good choice too because well I, I have a particular fondness for 1940s music, and uh, when you when if I have that playing in the background, anything that I do with 1940s music in the background is going to be enjoyable. 50s and 60s, I think Mafia 2 and Mafia 3, and then uh, the Dragon Age. Uh, uh, one of the one of the better uh, more recent RPGs and I kind of agree with Dan on that one Dragon Age is awesome one of the more one of the few modern 60 plus hours games which I've gotten played through more than five times great choice Miss Eileen very good on that one and East I've tried East Origins uh, I have to admit again my reflexes are crap and I'm not very good with you know with the with the very fast uh, very fast hack and flash type of games but uh, it was enjoyable a surprisingly 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 enjoyable, and of course the running gag about Adol, the main character, always ship always you know sinking, and his always <laughs> he is cursed. Don't let that guy in. It's, it's a running <laughs> gag. Adol and Dogi, you know the, the, the stuff they got after in those games. I love, I love the story actually. It's pretty funny. Uh, That's it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Good you like the he's a flight risk. He's yeah, he's an ocean. <laughs> he's risk. a flight risk. Okay. I mean, oh my god. Like the 1940s, 60s, it's good stuff. It's good stuff that you like. From your era, so I can understand, Sir Joe, you like that side of music. There you go. That's it. Okay. All right. Excellent. Uh, I guess, Joe, it's up to you to wrap it up. Yeah. Oh, what is this, uh, Sir Joe Morot? I have a question. Mm. Is that the RPG that you can play on the phone? Aren't there any East games on on mobile? I believe so. Yes, I Android and iOS. I think they have. I, I think, think they they, they have. Yeah, there are a few East games that have been ported, and surprisingly, a lot of a lot of games will run on your Android phone now. I mean, some people have hacked their Android phones to be retroarch machines, and they just connect them to Bluetooth controllers. They game on the go. Mm, it's something right. to consider. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's the show, guys. Um, mm. Some of the games that we underestimated, that we scoffed at. Uh, but we later enjoyed after playing them. See, uh, we're not snobs. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit at first, but you know, uh, uh, people can change. <laughs> 
people can change and you know um don't judge a book by its cover okay judge the cover with the plastic cover all right so um that's the show guys and let's do our shameless plugs let's start with sir joel where can they find you all right guys you can find me at the banyagang native kick.com page and your banyagang native at twitch.com i stream occasionally i try my very i'm trying my very best to catch up to all my streaming because of the fact that life has gotten in the way uh i attend a lot of events particularly this summer and Uh, you will be able to catch my streams, fishing games, and lots of other retro games and lots of different other games on my kick.com and my twitch.com channel. Hashtag F-U-F-B. All right, that's it. Hashtag F-U-F-B with yes. a P. <laughs> All right, okay. thank you for that, Sir Joel. How about Sir Viraj, the one who led the charge for this episode? Where can they mm. find you? What are you talking about? I didn't lead anything. I made you guys do all the work as usual. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, you can find me. Um, I'm obviously on the Sega Genesis group on Facebook. You can also catch me on um, Sega Mega Masters, which is a, a new YouTube channel that we've started. We've got a few episodes going. We've recently got our most recent episode on Sega Mega Masters, where we're reviewing a very prolific uh, Sega arcade game, which has been ported. Um, On, on one of the many Sega platforms that have been released over the time, so check it out, Sega Mega Masters. Over back. Oh, is it? <laughs> is it out already? Outrun? Yeah, he put it up there. Put Outrun. Outrun on Master System. There it is. There so, it yeah. is. There you go. Thank you for that, Sir Viraj. And. Uh, just to plug the show as well, um, Timeless Gamer guys, as always, you can check them out on the Facebook page of Pinoy Retro Gaming and the YouTube channel, Timeless Gamer PRG. All of our episodes are in there. Um, well, the ones that haven't flagged by Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but we're trying to uh, retrieve some of those episodes back. And uh, the audio format is also available on all of the major streaming um, podcast platforms out there, like uh, like Spotify and Audible. Oh, and might as well, uh, let's just announce it as of today. On our next episode, uh, we came... Uh, so for, ne- for the next week's episode, we're going to do a movie review. And we asked... Some of the uh, some of the gaming Facebook groups out there, and vehemently they chose Super Mario Brothers 2023, the movie, for us to do a a, a non spoiler slash spoiler movie review discussion. So that will be on the next episode, and we'll we'll just announce the exact date on when that will be. But hopefully, it's going to be a fun show for all of us. Um, yeah, and that's it. And our games and our bodies may grow out of date, but our gaming experiences will forever remain. Hey, timeless! All right, I'll see you guys again soon. Bye. Ta-da. Ta-da.